Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Adventures in the Creative Industries. My name is Eric Cravaglia, I'm your one-man band. In this episode today, I'm with Ian LeBruz, who's the managing director of Ignite Your Brand. Ignite Your Brand is a creative agency based here in Edinburgh. I run out of lyrics because I'm making it up on the spot. It's the middle of the night and I'm recording this intro on a Tuesday. Yin is a Scottish entrepreneur and I was very looking forward to this chat because Yin's story is very interesting and diverse. We go from his professional years as a poker player to his years in the video game industry. Through this, then entrepreneurial career, launching businesses, and and until reaching his position as managing director of this company. He's a very entrepreneurial guy in general. But what I liked about this story is the way he risk assesses decisions throughout his life, and and that comes through in this in the story we we tell in this podcast. There is a lot going regarding marketing. So if you're into marketing, there's a lot of chat on that. We talk about marketing and video games. We go a bit in depth on that. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed making it. Here we go. Ian Bruce. Hello. How have you been researching you, fella? Oh, cool. You know, when you go look into um, people's social media and you go into what they do with their lives, it's always interesting to see what's up, right? Mm -hmm. But going through your social media, it's quite... It's quite a journey. And I went all the way to the beginning. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? I love how you are very specific with your social media. So okay. LinkedIn is doing one thing. Mm-hmm. Twitter is doing another thing. Mm-hmm. And Instagram is doing another thing, which is <laughs> what they teach you these days at school, yeah. right? Every yeah. social media context matter. Mm-hmm. It's important that you treat it differently. And oh boy, mm. you do. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I love how yeah. like you have, and you also like one of those entrepreneurs that take selfies. Oh, I do. I do. I love a selfie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen your bodies a few times as well. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's part of uh, the advertising for, for Mitch, my PT as well. So um, every time I'm posting that, I'm also tagging him and saying, you know, he's doing he's doing some good work. Are you involved in his marketing then or is it just your friends? Or? Uh, just friends. I mean, good mates. Um, but I've been a client of him for three years mm-hmm. and I feel like, uh, I mean, I'm one of the kind of more active people on social that he trains and it feels mm. like... If I can help a buddy out, then I'm going to help a buddy out. And that kind of goes both ways as well. So I'm not going to lie. I checked his website because I was like, oh, yeah. I need a personal trainer. I checked okay. his website. Oh, is Edinburgh only? Oh, well, yeah, so he's Edinburgh only, but we're also, we're about to build him a new site. So uh, through Ignite. So mm-hmm. that'll that'll be coming soon. So hopefully it'll kind of look a lot better and things. But oh, we're not good. we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah, it looks like a nice <clears> guy then. Mm. So he's a good guy. This is a very random way to start a podcast. Uh, have you heard <laughs> any of the old episodes? Yeah, I listen to Lara Bros. You listen um, to she's Lara. amazing. She's, You're friends, though. Well, we're not friends, but I think she's amazing. Oh, um, she's we were at an event man. recently together, actually, at um, a law firm in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. and she is the funniest woman. Yeah. She, yeah, she's incredible. It helps that she was a comedian, an actress. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. The, she got her story, like, to a T, you know. Mm-hmm. You see her, she sit down, and you're like, okay, tell me about you. Yeah. Boom. she is Amazing. an absolute master of storytelling yeah and she is. this is i mean this is part of what i do on a day-to-day basis i tell stories with mm-hmm. with the company and tell our client stories yeah and she is a perfect example of how to do it well yeah she's yeah, got absolutely. the humor element she's got the the element where you can kind of really relate to her story because she's very down to earth and she's very real mm-hmm. and 
she, if you kind of listen to her telling her story, yeah. it is a masterclass of how to do it. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anyone in Edinburgh who does it better than her. So. And also, like, you know, she just nailed the fact that you are your own business these mm -hmm. days. Individuality mm -hmm. is so important, right? Yeah. You bang on about this to clients all the time. Mm -hmm. But she takes that everywhere, like yeah. to the law firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's talking yeah. about business, but she's, she's not she talking about it, bros yeah. numbers. She's talking about how Lara Bros build bros exactly. and why it's important. Yeah. And like, you gotta love that. Because oh, that, yeah. that is the dream client. Somebody yeah. that comes to you and says, look, I'm doing this thing. Mm -hmm. How can you help me? Yeah. You know, and that's like, yeah. oh. She's just living it. Yeah. Every day she is the brand. Yeah. She is the brand. I yeah. hope it all cons it won't consumer. Because, you know, there's only so much you can spread yourself in. Yeah. Three yeah. shops already a lot. And judging from what she was saying in the podcast, and it just feels like she's a bit overworked, mm. you know? She, so. She'll get a, I mean, I think she's already got a couple of good people kind of underneath I but she'll see, get yeah. she'll get some more and she'll she'll kind of keep pushing that on for sure i'm sure she's mm -hmm. not going anywhere mm. I, I can't wait until another bagel shop opens in anywhere <laughs> because just for competition just competition is yeah. that your, is she, I, i'm pretty sure she'll she'll <coughs> embrace that mm -hmm. wholeheartedly and she'll come up with ways of sort of like use it as a marketing mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. i i'm i'm very funny these days because you know how it is like you can see somebody as a competitor or you can see as somebody in the same space is doing the same thing as you, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can lift yourself up together. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's the thing. I see that know. I see that personally from quite quite a bit because we we're in quite competition with you know the likes of White Space and Made Brave and yeah. companies out there who are doing amazing work. Mm -hmm. But as much as they're competition, I love the work that they're doing, mm -hmm. and that makes me want to push myself to do better work as yeah. well. So. It has a knock-on effect, and the better the work your competitors are doing, the better the work you have to do, mm -hmm. um, which is really good. It's good for for everyone involved. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's a way to bring to to push forward, yeah. I guess. And Absolutely. and in that respect, I think she'll also <coughs> see the funny side of it, and I can't wait to see the the big old <laughs> smackdown, you mm. know, hold versus oh, hold. Man. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how good they could do stuff on social with that? Oh, that's an I, absolute big old yeah, smackdown. That's yeah, what I was saying. Great. If yeah, the yeah. moment there's a shop that opens mm. in town, please. Have, have a bagel off. Fun. Yeah, yeah, have a yeah, bagel yeah. off. Have That'd a hole great. off, you know. <laughs> She's so in love good. with holes. Yeah, know? that's she, it. She loves her holes. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole new level yeah. of puns that you can use, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love that she starts, um, she's got like a talk that she kind of does and she starts it off with Martin Luther King's I Have a Hole and uh, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> it just uh, yeah. sets the tone straight Yeah, away. yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Slide yeah. one, I have a hole. I have a hole. Have and a it's, it's brilliant and it's so memorable. So, <laughs> yeah. Because it did indeed. Mm. have a hole my friend it does have a hole and she has holes and yeah. she she uses them, <laughs> she, uses them. <laughs> she uses them to comedic effect yeah <laughs> yeah it's amazing is this just going to be the lara loving podcast oh, no no i it think so. <laughs> it's because she was saying that you know she did this 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 uh, campaign and people what did they have to shout to her it was like i want your hole mm. or something like mm. that and then they had to ask people to stop because you walk around the, the city and people <laughs> yeah, said i want your hole yeah. yeah. like, that's enough <laughs> only when i'm in the shop <laughs> I <laughs> ah, love it. So, <coughs> you are. Do you like how I changed tone? Eh? Like <laughs> I'm, I'm editing in real life. Mode. Serious mode. Mm. You are a very involved guy in mm -hmm. the community, right? Mm -hmm. In the creative community and marketing yeah. community, I'm saying the business community in Edinburgh, yeah. more like. And you've been around a while, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to see you talking. I think it was. Creative Corporate Love 2013. 2013, right. I think. And you, okay. you look 12. 
and yep, you go on do. stage <laughs> and you go on stage talking about cappuccino ads. Right, yeah. And I thought you had bucket loads of energy. Mm-hmm. You know, you were like, yeah, do this, yeah, this, yeah. and this. And I was yeah. like, it was quite amazing to see you so devoted to mm-hmm. cappuccino ads. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sad to see that you you actually d- dissolved the company. Yeah, it's it's not really been doing stuff. I kind of, it was a personal thing. I kind of got everything that I wanted out mm-hmm. of the company. Um, the company was never really supposed to even succeed in the first place, which is kind of the funny thing about it. I was doing it really to learn how to have, you know, a team and how to pay taxes and how to raise investment. And yeah. it really wasn't supposed to be a thing that I did for a long time. So the fact that it traded for like, what was it, about five years was just bonkers to me um, because it was never even really supposed to do that. So that was kind of just fortuitous that I kind of, I found something that did actually work. Mm-hmm. Should I explain what, what it is? In case yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah um, cappuccino ads. Yeah. So you practically were putting advertising on coffee apps. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So we, um, so one of my best friends and I, we kind of, we saw a bit of a gap in the market. We, we go to coffee shops all the time. And we, well, I had another company first. It was a, a an educational platform called Click Study, mm-hmm. and it was for school kids to kind of revise for their exams using videos and quizzes, and it was very interactive. And that's kind of how I learned growing up. So, so did you use that to learn the technical side of things as well, like it, how to build a little bit, a rudimental sort of backend solution? Or to be honest, from start to finish. Uh, it was only about three months, so it was a very short process. Right, okay. Um, it was pretty all-intensive for those three months, as you can imagine, but I went down to London, and I pitched to Angel's Den. Yeah. And they tore me to pieces, like absolutely tore me to we pieces. We click study. Yeah, click study. And it but was I, the it best felt... experience, though, because I learned yeah. so much. Um, I was so... Uh, there were so many things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I was competing up against, like, worldwide leaders right off the bat. And I was basically a kid who didn't really know what I was doing up against companies with seven-figure, eight-figure backings behind them. Um, so it was a massive learning process. Yeah. And just a, a little shout-out, I guess, to, to Jim Duffy at eSpark because he was the one that put me in front of those investors and made me realize quickly how... The idea was great, but I wasn't in a position to make that work. I you didn't have what? the people around me, all that kind of stuff. How old were you at the time? Uh, I want to say like 22 maybe. So you were 22 and you were already <coughs> teaching to investors. Yeah, that first point. pitch that I did with Angel's Den, um, it's amazing because the people I was pitching with on the day were Proper Corn um, and Pippin Nut. And they've obviously both gone on to do <laughs> amazing things. Yes, exactly. So Pippa and Cass have both absolutely smashed it. Yeah. And it's amazing that I was pitching alongside them to the same investors for the same <laughs> money that day. Click study. Which is amazing. Yeah. yeah it's insane. You got but to know people that really made it far in yeah, the industry. Absolutely, yeah. And they're they're absolutely still smashing it to this day, which yeah. is amazing. I'm gonna need to to like pump the brakes here and start okay. and go for the beginning because like yeah, this yeah. is gonna be a wild ride. For, <laughs> for people listening, you know, get ready. So it all started <laughs> when Yin played poker yeah i did yes mm. so did you play poker uh, as a professional or were you po- playing for so poker stars or i i did it um i see i never did it professionally because i was at university so mm-hmm. that was my main thing but i found myself doing it purely uh, out of passion can i close an open bracket what did you study uni i did physics so i did a master's in particle physics close bracket yeah. continue please <laughs> um and I, I loved, I did love physics, but mm-hmm. uh, just on a slight tangent from that, I, um, I went to do PhD interviews, uh, kind of dotted around the country, and I did one at Oxford, and it was two days long, mm. and 
it was probably the whole, like the one day in my life where I've learned the most about myself because I realized pretty quickly during that, it was a two day interview and during the first day, I just, I knew I didn't want to be doing physics for the rest of my life. Um, we went to the pub at the end of the first day and everyone was talking about physics nonstop. And I wanted to talk about football and, you know, just life, anything else. But everyone was just physics, physics, physics. And I realized that I didn't kind of fit into that group. That wasn't my all-encompassing thing. And then day two, I had the most fun day. So I was basically doing a PhD interview, but I knew I didn't want it. So I had a lot of fun with it. And I was super relaxed. I was wearing Converse and chinos and everyone else was in full suit. So Mm -hmm. I completely stood out. Um, They thought you... Yeah, you are the one. Exactly that, because they I completely stood out from the other 29 all-male candidates. Everyone was exactly the same, times, except yeah. me. Um, I'm <laughs> still male, but, um, <laughs> but uh, yes. in terms of the way I was dressed, in the terms of the way I acted, and the way I spoke, yeah, because I showed a passion for life and not just a passion for physics. Uh, and that obviously made me stand out. But then I carried that through in everything else that I did beyond that point, because it, it really stood out as a wow, shit happens if you're a bit different. That completely changed my approach to how I did things going mm-hmm. forward. So with poker as well, I... No, no, wait a second. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, Wait a second. So you went to this, inter- this interview, and that's mm. when you realized mm-hmm. that this was not for you. Yeah. And you were 21 there. Not 20 I was years. 21, yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, a lot of people go through with that. So, all right, no, I'm doing physics. Yeah. I have decided yeah. this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> but... um. How, like, you know, you, you must have put a lot of effort into physics and thinking, I am going to do this. Mm-hmm. How did you feel afterwards? Uh, totally fine. I felt free and like it was almost like a weight off my back because I'd been carrying around this almost like expectation that I was going to just do something physics related. Is that family? Because someone in your family no, is into physics um, or is just you, you just... No, it was, my, it was myself. Um, I was good with numbers. Um, growing up, I thought I might be like an accountant or something and I realized how boring that would be. Um, so I went into physics instead of maths. And then, yeah, I, there were certain parts of physics that I absolutely love. And I, even to this day, I still I still love it and I still mm-hmm. read the news around it. Um the kind of crazier things to do with particle physics or string theory and stuff. I I absolutely love it. But then about 80% of physics is just pretty boring, mundane stuff. And it just didn't appeal to me. Um, (laughs) Define boring. Well, it's, I mean, it's more kind of like nuclear physics, for example. There's a couple of interactions where in my master's project, we we were looking at um, ZZ boson fusion and looking at complex final state topology and looking at how basically thing when things collide at very fast speeds, how they kind of come into the remnants and looking at mm-hmm. what those parts are and then trying to find the missing stuff. I found that fascinating because it was like a puzzle, right? You had all these pieces and you're yeah. trying to piece together the puzzle so you could find the thing that you couldn't see mm-hmm. and work out what that thing was. And I thought that was really cool. But in the lead up to that puzzle, you had to know a lot of boring things. Yeah, and <laughs> like to understand yeah. the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Here's this. You Seven had to do you have to a know. massive amount of boring stuff. Lots of books, um, lots of reading, and it just, it totally wore on me. I just wanted to do the fun puzzle at the end. So right. that's where I kind of went into the video game side, and I'm, I'm sure yeah. you're going to want to chat about that. So beautifully segued into <laughs> your uh, brief mm. stint into the video yeah. game industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened? So you've been there. 
you yep. come back home, you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not going to do a PhD. <laughs> and then you got a job mm. um, for well, 4G. Your first, yeah. yeah. Your first job in, in the video game industry. Yeah. Can you tell me about Yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. So I'd worked with 4G uh, on a summer project like two years before. So mm-hmm. I already knew the guys. Um, right, okay. Loved what they did. Uh, that was on a game called Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark is um, probably one of the late Nintendo 64 yeah. games. And it looked incredible for the platform at yeah. the time. It was, I think it was the swan song mm. of the, co- the console. I yeah. don't remember anything better coming after maybe maybe i'm wrong mm-hmm. eh? but i remember perfect yeah being like it's always kind of it. been seen as like the second the second game of the n64 behind goldeneye i mean everyone mm. kind of knows that but this was very much the spiritual successor yeah um, we were all waiting it waiting <coughs> for it like it was some kind yeah. of magic absolutely coming, loved the coming kid, of the new goldeneye yeah um <laughs> it was fantastic and i absolutely loved the game so when i was working on that project with them mm-hmm. it was just it was like a childhood dream, basically. Yeah, a game that I'd kidding. spent hundreds of hours playing as a kid and then getting to play it as an adult and getting to kind of work on it was was awesome. So we did that for Xbox Live Arcade. But then as I was coming to the end of my master's and I kind of had to decide, am I going to do a PhD or am I going to go into a working world and what am I going to do? Uh, they contacted me and said they had a new project. They couldn't at the time tell me what it was, but mm-hmm. they told me, you're going to love it. So I took a leap of faith. Which is all you want to hear, yeah, really. Yeah, and it, it turned out to be Minecraft for the consoles, which oh, was wow. incredible. I mean, yeah. Are that you a opportunity. guy? So at the time, I didn't really know what it was. Um, <laughs> so the answer is no. Well, the, the thing is, at the time, I wasn't. But obviously, after doing stuff with it, I watched uh, a series on YouTube by a group called the Yogscast. Yeah, who of I've, course. Who I've now met, and they're absolutely Have fantastic you met guys. Yeah, I met them down in Bristol. No um, way. Their friend of a friend is... Terps, essentially. So, are they still doing their thing? I they're still doing their ages, thing. Yeah, yeah. they're still kind of like eight, nine million subscribers. They're still oh, good them. absolutely smashing. And they've got the Jingle Jam every year where they raise so much money for charity. They've raised, I think, about forty million dollars now, them. which is incredible. Bless them. And um, like, just to give some background to people, Yogscast mm. is a big YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So Play a lot of games, yeah. and the thing that they were most known for was their series on Minecraft. So I watched them play that, and that's how I learned what the game was before I actually worked on it. Um, so what a fun experience, basically, sitting and watching the Yogs cast to kind of learn what this game was, really. Um, so that was awesome. And then the opportunity came up to do a bit of work on GTA Five, And again, I had to basically do that because it's something that I knew... Wait a second, how did you go from them to... Rockstar, like so, I knew someone at Rockstar. So this is this is part of the kind of just getting out there and meeting people. So earlier I mentioned, you know, Cass and Pippa from Proper Corn and yeah. Pippa Nut. Again, it's just by getting out there and meeting people, going to as much stuff as you can. <sighs> uh, yeah. How many times have you have to? It's like <laughs> it. It really is. If you find yourself in the right place at the right time, you meet mm-hmm. people, you yeah. get friendly with them. Just yeah. have a conversation, man. Mm-hmm. Just have a conversation. Exactly. You never um, know. You never so know then that that opportunity was basically there on a on a plate. So I said. Yes. So you didn't do that. No way. So <laughs> yeah. you just got in. So you didn't do any of the grueling process. No. Of their the only the only like interview, and I do that in inverted commas. And maybe I shouldn't be saying this on a public podcast, but they won't they, be happy with you. That's <laughs> for sure. They asked me. Um, they asked me what my ten favorite games were, and I had my list already mm. in my head, and I kind of went through the list, and I clearly showed a lot of passion for the games, and I explained why I liked them and why I didn't like them. Yeah. And that was it. Did so. you, and you put in Red Dead Redemption to kiss no, someone, did you? No, I did not. Did I, you know? I didn't put... Uh, so I didn't actually have any Rockstar games in my top All 10. Right. There are quite a few just below it, and I did talk about that. So Vice right. City is my highest. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's GTA 5. But right. uh, at the time, 
I loved Vice City, but it wasn't quite in my top 10. And I think they liked the honesty of that because right. I wasn't just like, you know, sucking up to them. And I actually think there was a lot wrong with GTA 4 as well. Mm. So I was quite open about that. And I think right. I think that honesty shines through. Yeah. So I think transparency, this is one of my personal values and I've kind of carried that through. And it is very important to have because you know, it, it pays dividends in the long run. So. I think like people know when you're bullshitting them anyway. Yeah. So like if yeah. you go in and say, I love GTA 4, <laughs> and inside you're like, ah, not really. Yeah. N- not that good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and fair enough. I mean, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, they need people to help. Yeah, exactly. What, what was your position then? What? Uh, so I was doing, I didn't really have much of a title. I was doing playthrough development. Mm-hmm. I think my title on paper was software developer, but I, okay. don't, I wasn't really developing any software. It was much more around development of the game and making sure that the game flowed. So it was my job to kind of look at the start. So this is the whole customer journey thing, Mm -hmm. looking from the start to the end, looking at all of the things that have to happen in the game and then all of the things that are optional and making sure that things are triggering at the right time. So characters are being introduced at the right time. You know, items and stuff are getting kind of unlocked at the right time and making sure that nothing felt disjointed. That was Mm -hmm. kind of what I, I did. So I was only there for about nine or 10 months, which is not a long time, but it was it was a really good experience to kind of mm. do that. And I learned a lot as well. It's so. amazing because like, people love GTA V, right? <coughs> yeah, yeah. It's huge game. Huge game. Yeah. Not my type of game. Because I feel like it's disjointed, funnily okay. enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hate when a game tells me what I need to do in terms of, okay. it says, okay, so you, you're going to go speak <coughs> to this guy, <coughs> mm-hmm. then you're going to do this, and then you have to wait for, for a phone call. Yeah. That I hate. <laughs> I don't want to wait for I want the button says for me now. Okay. <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am very impatient. Because mm. like I like to go around and do the other extra bits of the in the game. And this is why so I, I know a little bit about you as well and I know a bit right. about the games you play. And everything you've just said is exactly why Hollow Knight is such a yeah. good game to you. Because 100%. exactly that. You kind of see, you know, like paths that might just be a little bit out of reach, but you'll remember that, and then you'll yeah. go off and do something else and I come am back. I'm a, a real sucker for Metroid yeah. yeah. Like for me, is all that, it's all you had to say. Mm-hmm. It's a Metroid Binion. Yeah, I'm and in. then you're in. Yeah. I'm in, baby. Let's play. Is this there any guy. better than Hollow Knight in your experience? In terms of storytelling, mm-hmm. not a chance. Mm-hmm. It flows so beautifully. Yeah, and they managed with very little graphic. If you're remotely interested into art direction, please have a look at Hollow Knight. Mm-hmm. It's Hollow H O L L O W Knight as K N I G H T. And it is one of the best games of the last few years. It is hands down. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Because the story is wonderful <clears throat> because yeah. it doesn't tell you a lot. So mm-hmm. you, you don't you're not overburdened. Mm-hmm. The, the lore is huge, mm. but like it gives you what I love is it gives you little snippets mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah. And then by the time you finish the game, which mm. is a long ass game, by yeah. the way. Yeah you know everything mm. about the lore mm. and it's amazing well you say that so i'm on 106 percent now i don't know where you're up to on yeah it, 106 yeah so, so yeah. it goes up to 112 for the list which but, yeah um 100 is kind of the main game and then there's some like really hard stuff at the end so i've just got the stuff at god home to do and then i've got the last trial and i've got yeah. nightmare king Grim. that's all i've got left right. um but there's still things that i'm finding and still areas that i'm going to and finding and it's it's just blowing my mind. Like, yeah. it's a 10 out of 10 game for me, and it's in my top 10 games of all time, and I can't recommend it enough. No, it's you... done something to me that no other game... I think maybe Celeste is probably the only other one in the last couple of years that's mm-hmm. just completely grabbed me, and I spent all my day just wanting to play it. That's the thing. It's, it's so engrossing <clears throat> that you just mm-hmm. want to play it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something to do with the graphics, although they're very simple, just 2D artwork. 
Mm. But the way the way is so dark and moody, and every corner you don't know what you're getting. And the challenge, it, it's a hard game. Mm-hmm. This is not an yeah. easy game. Like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I think I played it maybe hard or normal. I don't remember what. what there's no difficulty. There's no difficulty. No, 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 so no it's just hard by default. Right? Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't breeze through the game, mm-hmm. but it's just hard enough. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Some well, it's the optional bosses that make it hard. So you, God. once you kill a boss, you basically have the option to like dream nail them and then fight a harder version of them. Yeah. And those are some of the most satisfying bits of the game. Yeah, true. Which most people, you know, might just not even know that exists. I That's didn't know you can skip that. that bit. I always <laughs> yeah, thought... they're optional. Yeah, so no you don't way. have you don't have to do them. The only ones you have to do are the dreamers and then yeah. kind of the end stuff. So no way, I always did it because I yeah, thought I yeah. had to do. No, you don't have to. They they don't even count towards the percentage. Do you know exactly? Do yeah. you know that's what I love about the fact of the mm. percentage as well? Like mm. you can hundred percent the game mm. and you're sound, then you can do the hard stuff. Yeah, and you get past hundred yeah. percent because yeah. I wanted they wanted to give that fuel to people that mm-hmm. struggle with hard games. Yeah, like you yeah. finish the game. Yeah, you're at ease. Chill out. <clears throat> that that shows like a deep understanding of. Yeah. The players. But also, so I'm a fan of hard games and I like a challenge. I've played a lot of games in my life, so I'm pretty Mm -hmm. good at them. And Hollow Knight and Celeste with the additional content. So Celeste has got B and C sides. So you can finish the game on the kind of A sides. Mm -hmm. That's kind of their version of 100%. Can you explain what Celeste is? Celeste is a game where you play as a character called Madeline. Mm -hmm. Celeste is a mountain. And it has a surprisingly deep story behind it where... She's fighting against kind of mental issues and the mountain is almost like her challenge to to get to the summit of the mountain is like her overcoming her kind of mental challenges. It's a big metaphor. Yeah. And it's it's really good. There's really engaging characters. She meets a character called Theo yeah. along the way. He's brilliant. And it's a platformer. Yeah, it's a exactly platformer. Like it's a really it's it's maybe best of its kind platformer because it's Hey now. Well, I I, I really think it is. There's hidden straw well, strawberries kind of throughout the game. Um, not necessarily hidden. Some of them are right in front of you, but really mm-hmm. hard to get. Um, and that's their additional content in some ways. And what I love about it and why I think it's the best of its kind, you can finish the games just going from point A to point B to point C to point D and never see a lot of the extra stuff. But often they build it in so if that you can't manage... So if you're not able to go from A to B, mm-hmm. often they'll give you another path to go around. And in that path, they teach you the mechanics of how you should get from A to B. That's so, fantastic. So that when you encounter that situation again, you're ready for it. Right. But if you're already kind of good with games and you don't necessarily need that help, you don't even know it's there. You mm-hmm. just go from A to B. Yeah. And it's been so smoothly done so that the person who... If they fail so many times going from A to B and then they find this alternative route... They still feel really satisfied because they yeah. got to be. But by doing the challenges of the kind of roundabout way, they've already forgotten that there was that other path. And in some ways, you feel even better because you feel like you've done a longer path. So you feel yeah. like you've done more. So it's kind of satisfying for both sides. Um, and Again, it's, yeah. that's a game mechanic that really satisfies <clears throat> mm. all players. And when games manage to do that, that's mm. when the game becomes yeah. a beautiful game. Yeah. It becomes enjoyable I mean, for everybody. I, I, mean, I feel like I'm maybe just going to go on a rant about so many games now. But the the other game recently that's kind of done that incredibly well is Breath of the Wild, right? So right. they introduce you to, for, for kind of the listeners, there's only kind of five or six mechanics really Re- in the wait game. Wait a second. Breath of the Wild is the new Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. that came on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. It's an open world game for the first time. It's a whole new way of playing mm. Zelda. It's mm-hmm. a, basically, it's a game reimagined from the ground up. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. So they they give you this, like, plateau at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And in that plateau, they give you pretty much all the tools that you need for the rest of the game. 
So they give you like bombs and they give you the ability to kind of freeze water and stuff like that. Um, and then you use these tools throughout the game, but the way that you tackle the problems throughout the game, it's down to you and how creative you get with the tools that you've been given. Yeah. And I think the best example, I was actually on uh, another another kind of show recently and we were talking about Breath of the Wild mm -hmm. and I actually talked about an experience that I had where there was a, a camp full of enemies and kind of surrounded by mountains and it's one of the harder kind of camps for this for this point in the game mm -hmm. and the obvious thing to do is to just run in try and kill them all as quickly yeah. as you can get the chest and then yeah. get out but you can approach it from so many different angles so the first thing that i was looking at was setting the grass on fire using that to create an updrift yeah going up on a paraglider and then shooting bomb arrows down on them from yeah. above great fun here comes rambo yeah 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 amazing um but then I started to get a little bit more creative. And then I've actually played the game twice. And the second mm -hmm. time I did it, I used my knowledge from kind of the end game to, yeah. to kind of play throughout the game with that knowledge. So I actually climbed one of the nearby mountains. Yeah. I attached one of my bombs to a floating object from a yeah. nearby enemy. I got a leaf from a tree nearby and I used that leaf to blow the bomb over the top of them. <laughs> I shot an arrow to the, to the item so that the bomb fell down and then exploded the bomb on yeah. top of them. And that was kind of a use of, it was a creative solution using all these random things that yeah. I had around me. Yeah. But the first time I played it, I, I had no idea that I could even combine these is items. Is that a group of enemies that if you look up to the left, there's a big boulder. <coughs> you can go just up and push the boulder down. No, so that's, that's, that's a, kind of the tutorial one where it shows you that right, the yeah. environment plays a part. Yeah. But like, long story short, mm -hmm. the good thing about Zelda is it teaches you everything in the plateau, which the plateau lasts about, mm -hmm. I would say, 10 hours if you spend a lot of time playing mm, in it. I Otherwise, you can do I for a couple plateau, of hours. Yeah, a couple of hours. I mean, the first time I did it, it was probably two hours maybe max, but I think the second time I did it, it was probably only about half an hour on Did there. you? Yeah, right. yeah. I remember longer. Okay, so mm. maybe it's a couple of hours. It depends where you... Yeah, obviously, if you know what you're doing and where you're going, you yeah. can kind of rush through it and then... I think I spent ages game, yeah. just going around. Yeah. And like, it was it's such an, it's like a nice mm. environment. Mm. And then even then, again, you know, there is the frozen area at the top. <clears> you can't yeah. reach the frozen area until yeah, you, you get the bits. And items then, and stuff, yeah. 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 So it, it's a Zelda game. It's got the essence of a Zelda mm. game, but it plays nothing like any other no, Zelda game. It doesn't. And it allows you to do so much. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about this, right, mm -hmm. from a marketing perspective, mm -hmm. right, back to work, mm -hmm. <laughs> is the fact that because it's so open and there is so much you can do, mm -hmm. that's the GTA mm -hmm effect yeah. the gta effect well i think it's a gta effect it's like there'll be like a community of people online mm -hmm. posting videos of stunts in the game yeah if you have if you have making a game mm -hmm. if you can create something mm -hmm. that people can play around with you win yeah because yeah. unless your game is one of those battle mm -hmm. royale online mm -hmm. multiplayer games mm -hmm. so there's infinite replayability mm -hmm. and every match is different mm -hmm. if you can offer that if you offer the other one then you have an amazing marketing strategy yeah, yeah. exactly that just yeah. get it's a massive you, sandbox you can do yeah. whatever you want with it and obviously the more creative and out there you get the more views and stuff obviously your videos would then yeah. get so Easy. it kind of has a knock-on effect yeah yeah it's like mm. gary's mod if gary's mod that yeah. come out today right yeah the YouTube will be littered with it. Mm -hmm. There is, there are still, I'm sure, there are hundreds of videos, yeah, thousands, yeah. millions of videos. I mean, that's what the likes of the Oggscast are still doing now. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, still yeah, Gary's mod. Still playing Gary's like mod. Gary's yeah. mod is <clears throat> a sandbox built on the Half-Life engine where mm -hmm. you can do pretty much anything because yeah. everything has got physics, mm -hmm. so you can build anything you want. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible. A game came out mm. 10, 12 years ago, 13 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. People still playing it. Mm -hmm crazy because mm. as soon as you give the opportunity to be um creative 
that's it. Yeah. That's when I thought Fortnite, when Fortnite, right, jump all <laughs> the way into the future to now. When Epic decided to create a tool for people to build their own Fortnite levels, mm-hmm. I was like, we are never going to see the end of Fortnite <laughs> because that's going to be going <clears throat> for mm-hmm. years. And that was, of course, was a deliberate uh, mm-hmm. strategy from Epic. Mm-hmm. And kudos to them. That's the marketing strategy done for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. It is, but then the other, the flip side of that game where <clears throat> they've not really, I mean, they, they kind of have to some extent, but they've not been keeping up regular content to the extent of newer games like Apex Legends that have kind of come out and taken quite a bit of their market share away from Fortnite. Um, uh, it's quite interesting to see because th- these are games that I don't play. So mm-hmm. I've never played Fortnite. Yeah, no. I've never played Apex Legends. Um, I've seen a lot of PUBG, but I've never played it. I played Fortnite, but it's not really <coughs> my yeah. cup of tea. But I, I did play yeah. PUBG though. Okay, so PUBG th- that is a rush, kind yeah. of like battle royale thing. It, it's yeah. not. That's not the kind of games that I like playing. Um, so for me, for me, that kind of kind of it goes over my head a little bit. But I obviously kind of keep up with, up to date with what's going on. Mm-hmm. The strategies that the you know Epic have employed in terms of releasing content. Yeah, in the early in that early stage to get people playing the game was incredible. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and the way they monetize things as well, incredible. Um, and obviously companies like EA and stuff have now basically just copied that. And Yeah, yeah. after after the massive <coughs> PR, PR mm. back, we are going down this huge rabbit hole now. <laughs> but <coughs> from a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we're talking about, but back to work. <coughs> I think what, um, so Fortnite came out and nobody played it. Well, mm-hmm. there was a very small uh, play base, right? And it was just a multiplayer game. Then they released the Battle Royale because yep. PUBG was doing mm-hmm. so well. And they're mm-hmm. like, you know what? We can release Battle Royale on Fortnite. makes a funny a funny version of PUBG. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy, right? But mm-hmm. that w- this was before pub- Battle Royales were everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then <clears throat> what Epic did was going after... <clears throat> it was going after every single streamer that mattered and and their friends mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so their, their their strategy was okay so we have i don't know whatever million million dollars we'll pay whatever we need to pay and they get their game all of a sudden on twitch it was mm-hmm. like boom yeah everywhere, everywhere. and mm-hmm. i was like this is how you do marketing for games yeah. these days mm-hmm. you have a multiplayer game just get everybody and their friends to play mm-hmm. it. yeah it's easy and it was the top streamers from all of the other competitor games yes so all of the kind of the FIFA players and the Call of Duty players, they basically just went to all of the top guys yeah. on each of the other games, paid them to play the game, and obviously that viewership then goes to the new game. Brilliant, <coughs> brilliant. Because yeah. like, why would you spend millions on on TV advertising, which mm. they did do yeah. later on? Yeah, in, they did, but only only later on actually. Yeah. they didn't do it at the start. No, yeah. they put all their budgets into getting the online communities to play with mm-hmm. it because they knew very well yeah. that every guy that has thousands of followers that is mm-hmm. one community mm-hmm. and that people then they kind of bleed into another community and then they went as you say they went to the different top guys yeah. so it was the fifa guy mm-hmm. it was the PUBG guy mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful to see it happen because yeah. PUBG, that i think it kind of landed on PUBG. you know i don't mm-hmm. think they knew what they were doing it just mm-hmm. happened and it became so popular yeah, yeah. they had no idea what they did yeah. like seriously you've seen the stuff they did and it's like mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. only you could screw this up <laughs> you had it you had it mm-hmm. and it was interesting to see from a marketing <clears throat> perspective such an aggressive annoying tactic mm. that just mm-hmm. it just worked man mm-hmm. it just wor- it was everywhere everywhere and um it was good to see it doing it 
and they sink they sunk so much money into it mm-hmm. and i'm sure they got stuff in the pipeline it's going to be quite interesting to see mm-hmm. but like from now on you, from now you can build anything on top of fortnite yeah yeah, yeah absolutely anything mm-hmm. kids love it and i like how they were not precious about the game either <coughs> they understand they understood the momentum and from mm-hmm. a business perspective they mm-hmm. was like how can we monetize this more yeah forget about everything else let's put it on mm-hmm. mobile mm-hmm and they make the they make the microtransactions um they're incentivizing them in such a way that a kid can ask their parent to just buy a new skin every now and then and the parent to keep them happy will just say yes so yeah i feel like this is going to come in the future when i've got kids where uh, yeah they're just going to be like can i just get this two pound skin and you're like yeah all right yes it's two pounds so you just say yes but then over time you know volume suddenly you've spent like a hundred hundred pounds on the game and um yeah. And also they came out oh man, we talk about this perhaps. <laughs> but they came out from a strategy perspective. Instead mm. of saying to be more aggressive in microtransaction, like mm-hmm. all the games are doing, like mm-hmm. I don't know, Clash of Clans, mm-hmm. Clash of what's the other one? Clash, Clash Royale. Royale. Those are very aggressive <laughs> micro microtransactions because mm-hmm. you get to a level for free and then you have to buy the cards because you just can't keep up with your opponents, right? And the way the game are constructed is like mm-hmm. you get pitched against Weaker or same opponents for a while, and then they yep. put you against better, mm-hmm. better opponents mm-hmm. at different times. You see what times. they've got, and then you want it. Exactly, because yeah, yeah. then you say, okay, I need to build this to, yeah. to be able to grow the level. And then yeah. you, it's so manufactured, oh, beautifully yeah. done. I mean, yeah, yeah, you've absolutely. got to give it to I've seen guys. it with Hearthstone, obviously. So yeah, because yeah, yeah, you are a big yeah, Hearthstone I play, I play a lot of Hearthstone and a lot of competitive Hearthstone, and that's yeah. how it is. But that's when, um, like, your marketing <clears throat> strategy, that's when it's built into the mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. And that's where you win, right? Yeah. So the guys that did Clash Royale, Clash of Clans, what else did they do? They did now the brawler. This is king, isn't it? So they've done brawl star. Um, yeah, which is there's a, a whole bunch of those games. Yeah, yeah. and it, they're good games. They are just clearly paid to win. <clears throat> yeah. And like what Epic did, it was like you know what, we're not gonna go down that route. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go down just the visual route because mm-hmm. kids likes to have unique, you know, silly. Yeah. Um, yeah, little clothes. dancing emoji. Little things. dancing yeah, emojis. Yeah. yeah. They cost a pound, and it's easy for, yeah. for parents to buy it. Yeah. I thought that was really smart. Mm-hmm. It was like let's go. Let's not follow mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. especially after the EA Sports <laughs> clusterfuck yeah. with PR, which yeah, yeah. practically... Yeah, they're not doing well at the moment. <laughs> no, <laughs> really EA's, not. EA came out, sorry, EA Sports, it's not EA Sports, it's EA, mm-hmm. came out and added microtransactions to pretty much every single one of their games, mm-hmm. ruining some of them until people caught into, the, mm-hmm. caught into it, basically. And every other game was coming out, was having a microtransaction, just for mm-hmm. people listening, and the, the community lost their mind mm-hmm. over it. Oh, yeah. really angry yeah i don't know if they're gonna boycott ea because ea makes a lot of games <coughs> but yeah. you know ea really felt it because they had yeah. to change the strategy yeah which is oh th- th- there's some some games that they've released it's just been pure kind of exploitation yeah um there's been no effort put into actually giving value for money yeah and you see it most well i mean i i, I don't play many ea games but i've seen mm. it with fifa quite a bit so you do do play FIFA. I right? play a little bit of FIFA, yeah. Not not anywhere near as much as something like Hearthstone, for example, mm-hmm. but I do play a bit of FIFA. Let's put into context, how many hours did you play with FIFA, <clears throat> you think? Um, I don't know. Like, So the Switch is really good because it tells you physically how much time you yeah. spent in a game. So I know I've played Breath of the Wild for 205 hours. Yeah. I know I've played Hollow Knight for like 70 hours. Yeah. But uh, FIFA doesn't tell me on the Xbox, okay. but probably like same as Breath of the Wild, probably like 200 hours maybe. Okay, how much money did you spend in cards? FIFA not, not a lot. Packs. So FIFA not a lot, but then 
Hearthstone, I've spent a lot of money. Right, we'll get and I'm, to and that. I'm, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm okay to kind of I admit that I can see the fear in your my... eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, everyone's going to hear this. <laughs> you, you just took a second, you're like, oh, Harrison, yeah. quite a lot. I mean, FIFA, we're talking like £100 over the whole of like all of the FIFAs together. Okay, nothing. So I got That's nothing. Open and but... close bracket on FIFA, right? So I went to yeah. my barber yeah. ages ago. Mm-hmm. He was probably 25 or something. Mm-hmm. He was very young. And he was talking about FIFA, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so how much money have you spent on FIFA this year? Mm-hmm. And he was like, just this year, we were like three months into the year, mm-hmm. he has spent about a grand. Mm-hmm. He said, I go home every night and buy a pack. <coughs> oh, that's like, the worst way to do it as you well. You are crazy, You have to get man. the bigger things to get more value for money as he well. He couldn't help himself. Oh, man, yeah. That's when you're addicted. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like cocaine, yeah. you go home and say, like, oh, I want to see if I get Ronaldo tonight. Yeah, that's, that is... But that's why it's exploitative, right? Yeah. Exploitative? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the right word. Um, they they are kind of prying on that. And you do get such bad value for those for those purchases. It's the yeah. same with Hearthstone, right? So mm-hmm. if you buy two packs in Hearthstone, yeah. it's £3. Again, Hearthstone is a <clears throat> card game made by Blizzard. There's yeah. a guy who did Warcraft yeah. and Starcraft. Yeah. And it is... Um, I would say it's an online multiplayer game. Basically. Yeah, it's it you is. You play yeah. against other yeah. players. It's very beautifully done. It's yeah. been out for uh, five and a half years. Five now? and a half years, yeah. six years, yeah. So I went into the open beta and I've been playing it for close oh, to of course six years. You did, yeah. yeah, so I got invited to that and kind of, yeah. I mean, I love Blizzard. I think they are really, really good as mm. a company. Um, they were much better back then, though. Eh? Well, yeah, before they kind of merged. It's Activision, yeah, Activision isn't it now? Yeah. Did their so, thing, yeah. Um, ignoring that side of things because I'm not. You know, I'm, I don't play much in the way of colleges and stuff, so that's kind of it doesn't really matter to me. But well, okay, just to give context, mm. Blizzard was acquired by Activision. It's like one of those key game developers. Yeah, they created They're a huge, huge franchises, and the, all the games they made, they were always <clears throat> good games. Yeah, and they've barely had any misses as barely. a company, which yeah. is very rare. And to be honest, again, to put mm. our marketing hats on. Mm. In 2004, they launched World of Warcraft when mm-hmm. massive multiplayer online games mm-hmm. were for like nerds mm. in a yeah. way, were for for us, yeah. but not for the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. And they make that yeah. game a thing. Like they made they made massive. it accessible to everyone. Yes. Um. And yeah, everyone in their you know everyone and their girlfriends have been playing it for years. Years. Um, and you pay a monthly fee. Yeah. Right. It's incredible that people still you know play it now. Yeah. But um. Anyway, Hearthstone. Hearthstone, yeah. It just it just got me. You know, it worked. Um, there was something I like the cl- the collecting kind of mm-hmm. element. So Pokemon is probably my favorite game of all time, yeah. and it's the whole collecting aspect. I feel like I don't even need to explain what Pokemon is. But Everyone not, knows um, what Pokemon refused is. Refused to explain what Pokemon. <clears throat> yeah. So Hearthstone has the whole collecting element of getting all the cards. Yeah. I really like the animations and the artwork, so I really mm-hmm. like the golden ones because I like seeing them all move and stuff. <laughs> I'm very simple in that way. I'm a simple um, man. And the the way that you buy the cards, I was kind of saying this in terms of the monetization. If you mm-hmm. buy sixty packs, it costs sixty pounds. Yeah. But if you buy two packs, it costs three pounds. So they really make the money from the people that are just right. buying a couple of packs every day, and not and not just buying. So what I do is... So they're I, punishing you if you're impulse by basically. Exactly that, yeah. So I'm not like that at all. I know exactly how many packs I'm going to be buying ahead of every expansion. Mm-hmm. I buy them all at the start to get the best deals, and yeah. then I never buy them throughout the expansions. So yeah. in terms of like you know financial strategy with it, 
I've got it exactly the best you can ever have. <laughs> got it. There's not a you penny got more. Strategy yeah, for the game. because I'm spending so much that <laughs> I'm not spending an extra penny. How that much I don't are you spending to. every time? So you've got season. to remember that I have also made money from the game. So I've actually, because I play it competitively, I've actually made some money as well. But I think I've spent about ten thousand pounds in the game. Yeah, yeah somewhere, crazy. somewhere in that ballpark. I don't know an exact number, but why? Somewhere in the ballpark of about ten thousand pounds. But I've also made money back. So how much money did you make, Mike? <sighs> See, for I the don't. Tax man. <laughs> um, maybe in the ballpark of about six. Still four k so in the 4K. hole. <laughs> and the thing is, right? Yeah. Had I known that going into it, totally fine with that, mm-hmm. because. I've spent so I was I've looked back through some of my finances and stuff because I've just bought I've just bought a buy to let so I'm I'm a landlord now for the first time and it's made me kind of flip my perspective on I a hate few you things so much <laughs> right I want to hear everything about this okay no, wait a second wait a second boy <coughs> God I knew this would be yeah. a nightmare I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I knew this I'm would gonna be a talk nightmare. a little bit about There's too much this side so sk- go back a little bit right yeah. because in cafes over my adult life yeah I might have spent about a hundred thousand pounds in cafes over 13, 14 years, right? And that sounds insane. Fuck. Yeah, right? What? It sounds insane. But do I regret that? Absolutely not. Not even one bit. <laughs> you are crazy. Right? Because it, it's my enjoyment. I I love it. It's where I go to relax. It's where I go and play some games occasionally. So wait a second. So you get up in the morning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. My, what's your morning routine? I... Uh, my amazing girlfriend Cheryl <laughs> shuts me up Cheryl. in the morning. She, How what time um, does she get you up? So she gets up um maybe like it's different every day depending on what we're doing, but it's like quarter to seven or something. She goes okay. and makes sure because we've got a little puppy, so she makes sure the puppy's yeah. all right. And then I get up and then she is absolutely incredible and does way too much for me because she takes me to work every day, which is mind blowingly amazing. Yeah. You are yeah. here because of her, my friend. I'm here because of her. She drove me here. So <laughs> Did she? Uh, yeah, she drove like, me to a literally ca- you're here. She drove me she to a cafe and then I had my coffee. I <laughs> I had a I had a couple of work stuff, like work things to yeah. do. I had a call with a client. Um, that meeting that I kind of mentioned before this. Yeah. That's ongoing right now, so it's grand. I don't so, have to deal with it. Yeah, but. just to tell people, there is a big meeting going on with yeah, a client yeah. uh, of you. Know, and I'm he, just... He just ditched it because he forgot <laughs> that the podcast was this morning. <laughs> so he texted yeah. me this morning at 8, and he was like, hey, by the way, when was the podcast? Um, this morning at 10. <laughs> and I love how I was like, is he going to cancel? No, not a chance. And you're like, I don't, it doesn't look like a quitter. So I yeah. thought, I waited for that text. Not a chance was I canceling. I give you like I five minutes. I want to talk minutes. about games. <laughs> and no, like you sent me a text like, cool, see you later. And I was yeah. like, cool, see you soon. Yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always, right. always deal with it. Yeah, the team's there now. So it's fine. You need a PA, my um, Yeah. Well, so anyway, so Cheryl is, love of my life, amazing. She takes care of me in the morning. But yeah, I go to a cafe kind of first thing and I always spend an hour, an hour and a half having a couple of coffees, mm-hmm. get in my head, kind of sorted for the day ahead, make sure yeah. I know exactly what I want to achieve with my day. Right. So I have kind of like three goals in mind and I make sure that I do those things yeah. so that if I've ever got a down moment and I don't really know what I'm doing, goal time. I just goal time. Yeah. So I do that every day. I, I read the news in French just to kind of keep my brain in that mode. And mm-hmm. I play a lot of video games in French as well. So that's the other thing, like when I'm talking about 205 hours in Zelda, I, I did that in French. So that does not do anything. So I'm right. also kind Still of 205 well, hours in a video game. It is, but it's and also I am learning, right? You, right? The, yeah, the amount yeah. of vocabulary I've got. So there's a game called Xenoblade Chronicles 2, right? 
There's my a lot of text in God, there. the vocabulary I got from that game in French. That was mind-blowing. I've learned so many words, and I've got, like, notes in my phone of, like, all the kind of vocab and the kind of phrases and idioms and stuff that I learn. And so, so wait, wait, much. Wait, wait, wait a second, because mm. Xenoblade is... Mm one of the most Japanese games you can buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those games are mm. not famous for having good translations. So God <laughs> knows what you have Surprisingly learned. good with the idioms and things. There's there's a lot of little phrases and stuff that I would not have got elsewhere. Right. Um, and it's it's really interesting, actually, because right. they've got um, the one thing that I found very, very difficult. I don't know if you've done Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but they've got like a, a race in it called Nopons, yeah. and they speak in a very certain way, even in English. Mm-hmm they have like extra syllables in the words Mm -hmm. and that has then gone into the french translation as well um and it makes the french really difficult to understand when they're talking because they add Mm -hmm. in an extra syllable in the middle of a word so often i'm like i don't know what the hell that word is (laughs) whatever that happened and you know i'll search it in my kind of you know online dictionary and it it won't show up because it's a made-up word it's they've put a syllable in the middle to kind of (laughs) to show the way that they speak so <laughs> just to make it harder <laughs> oh man that was a journey so yeah the time the time in those areas of the game that took a long time but anyway we got there um so yeah back to my kind of like routine in the morning i yeah. read le monde every morning in french and that's yeah. my kind of little bit to kind of keep see what's going on in the world wait a second it's not like you french go to going. one of the news agents on uh, no Royal online, online, and online. The paper one and sitting there no, in like no, starbucks no. opening like le monde no, i've got i've got a subscription to <laughs> the one digital of those guys. And, yeah i don't have to don't have to physically read i am um, occasionally on a sunday if i want to be away from technology mm-hmm. i have bought a physical copy and uh, right. there's a little news agent on Lothian road that i go to and grab a copy there and yeah. That's occasionally, but that's only ever on a Sunday. The sport is the thing. So there's a couple of like the tabs on Le Monde yeah. that I pretty much always read as my go-to, yeah. and sport is is one of the ones I read every day. So yeah. what, what football team do you? So Bright. For? So one of my goals in life is to own Brighton Football Club. At some point in life, Brighton. going to own Brighton Football Club. Are you from Club. Brighton? Yeah. Then? No, so I'm not. But I am. Um, I always used to go the one football manager. So. You are crazy. <laughs> Back when I started playing football manager, they were in essentially the third tier of English yeah. football. So it was the perfect challenge it of getting them promoted a couple yeah. of times and then winning the Premier League. Yeah, so yeah. I felt like I knew the team so well that I kind of just fell in love with them a little bit. So, yeah, just through a complete chance of going one day, yeah, I'll go Brighton, why not? And then, <laughs> uh, and then going them about 50 times in football manager. So... Yeah, Tony Bloom, who owns Brighton. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy your team he's, one day. So. He's after you, man. Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna buy your team. Man, we've been on a one-hour tangent. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Mm. Poker. Mm. You're a competitive fella. Yeah. Did you? How much money did you make with poker? Mm. Straight to the juice. Overall, about seventy thousand dollars. So nothing crazy. Still a pretty good amount, though. I mean, it's it. It was enough that I came out of university on the other side completely yeah. debt free and i think that was all i really wanted to achieve from it so do you know this entrepreneurial spirit that you have why um well i've, I've had an amazing upbringing and mum and dad are so that they're incredible in the way that they approach things and I've, I've taken a lot of their mindsets and behaviors on in life and yeah. i was always given that structure where i was allowed to make mistakes and I think that's really valuable and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll kind of, I'll carry that through when I have kids as well. But yeah. they would always, instead of um, just buying me stuff. So I was in a privileged position where, you know, we, we weren't poor. We weren't rich either, but we weren't poor. Middle so class. If I, yeah, exactly. So if, if I wanted a new set of golf clubs, they mm-hmm. would never just buy me them, but they would give me the first bit and then say, all right, how are you going to spin that up kind of yeah. thing? 
So one of the things and that that's I, how you learned about one of the things banking. that I yeah exactly <laughs> one of the things that I did and it's something that my mum seems to tell everyone about was that I used to get um, selection boxes from a kind of like Santa's Grotto in mm-hmm. a, in the shopping centre in Dundee and yeah. I used to go and get all the selection boxes when the when the grotto was over yeah. so like hundreds and hundreds of selection boxes and then I made a tuck shop at school and I undercut the tuck shop. Oh, so Christ. instead of selling the curly whirly for 25p, <laughs> I sold it for 20p. And obviously, yeah. people are going to buy it when it's cheaper. So I used to have this tuck shop at school, and I, I, that's kind of how I made a little bit of money on the side. Yeah, I did lots of little things like that growing mm-hmm. up. So I used to run the kind of weekly five sides that we did, yeah. where everyone would pay a certain amount. So like it would cost £15 to book the thing, and yeah. the other nine people would maybe give me two or three pounds each kind of thing. Yeah. So that it worked out that I was making a little bit of money every week. Yeah. And I would, run, I would run stuff like that yeah. for my time. But I was also, I'm playing for free as well. So I'm mm. free rolling it, but I'm also making a little bit. And that's kind of how I used to structure these things. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of that growing up. And I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed finding an edge where maybe there shouldn't have even been an edge. And I, I really yeah. liked that. Tiny, like tiny small margins and gains. And I, I really like the idea. There's a TED talk out there. I can't remember who did it, but he talks about, the idea, if you improve by 1% every day, by the end of a year... You're laughing. Oh, it's insane yeah, how much yeah. it spins up. Like, it starts out at, you know, the day one, 1.01. The next day, it's like 1.021. Yeah. And it kind of keeps spinning up. And by the end of the year, it's massive amounts that you're jumping up. So by kind of having that approach and improving 1% yeah. every day, yeah. um, it can make a big, big difference in the long run. So I've been doing a lot of that throughout my life, and that kind of came from the parents so pretty good yeah pretty good they um so what they allowed you to do is just to go on and do they allowed me to fail with no um with no massive repercussion if i failed so if i tried something and i lost 20 pounds so what it doesn't matter nobody dies and i really like that mindset um because yeah so that mindset can i say you say you in a good way Mm. because then you were like okay so um well, I'm mm. just try stuff. Try stuff, yeah. yeah. Like I would, I had that approach with poker, so mm-hmm. I took it properly, and I had, I had a backer, so it wasn't my own money. It was a guy called Andreas. He was, he was Argentinian. He is a big backer. He backs, mm-hmm. you know, like forty plus poker players. I didn't and know. You, maybe I didn't does more now. Yeah. So he, he, um, that's his job basically. He funds poker players and then takes a cut of their winnings. Very smart. So he doesn't have to <coughs> do anything. He doesn't have to do anything. He was a professional back in the day, and. Now this is what he does. He's made quite a bit of money and he's in a position where he can kind of help people out and make some money out of it. So he enjoys doing that. So I did that. I was one of his people. So he calls it a stable and there was about 40 of us in it. And he within, calls it a stable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were basically his horses, horses essentially, <laughs> yeah. So All right. in that, he was essentially telling us what we could and couldn't play. So he knew how good we were and mm-hmm. he was making sure we were only playing things that we had an edge that was above the rake that you play. So if it's a $22 tournament and that's $20 goes in the prize pool, mm-hmm. $2 goes to poker stars or whoever you're playing on, my edge has to be more than the 10% kind of the, the rake that comes mm-hmm. off. Um, otherwise, there was no point in playing it. So that was the kind of way that he structured everything. Mm-hmm. So that we were always in the long run profitable. Obviously, the day to day, you can't see my hand, but my oh, hand's going up, yeah, and, going down, up yeah. and down. Yeah, because day to day, it was super variable. So but you, in the long run, that yeah. up and down was going up. 
That's actually a very yeah. smart way of making money, if you think about yeah. it. Because you'll have data. Okay, so poker is not a smart way to make money by all means. No, but... but you can see, yeah. you, you'll have enough data in your Excel sheet yeah. to see what the average is. You can see yeah. the trends. And you're, pay- you're playing thousands of tournaments. This isn't yeah. just like one tournament. So where my kind of like um, mentality kicked in mm-hmm. was when I would basically like cash out some of my winnings... Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, after giving his cut to him, yeah. <clears throat> I would then use some of that to have a bit of a, a ch- like a chance yeah. at a bigger one. So <clears throat> one of those ones that I, I took a chance on was uh, UK, UKIPT Edinburgh, the very first year that they did mm-hmm. that. So that was a £550 tournament, and I ended up coming like 29th in it or something, and I made mm-hmm. some more money back. So those chances did sometimes pay off. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I would enter an EPT and it cost five grand and it wouldn't work so that's fine what's an ebt <coughs> european poker tour oh, right. so it's a it was a tour run by poker stars um they run events kind of london copenhagen kind of like dotted around mm-hmm. and the entry fee so for london it was five thousand two hundred and fifty pounds yeah and the prize pool was kind of like four or five million pounds and it was broken down kind yeah. of accordingly in my mindset it's not gambling it's calculated risk mm-hmm. where you know what you're the bottom end is I basically was in a position where I would never go below zero because I was only using what I had and I would only ever use 5% of my role. When I took a chance, that would be 10%. But Mm -hmm. if I have a bankroll of $10,000, I'm not allowed to play anything that costs 500 or more because it's 5% rule. So you'll be out straight away. So yeah. So it it was a pretty kind of um, solid way of doing it. Mm -hmm. It taught me bankroll management. It told me kind of basic economics and stuff and how in the real world, like money actually works. And it also taught me about a lot about risk reward as well. So mm. looking at equity that you had in situations and knowing how to maximize that. And I yeah. kind of carried that into business as well. So often if I'm in a really tricky business situation, yeah. I think about it like a poker hand. Mm-hmm. And I think about what I would do in that situation. So I've been in a situation recently where I feel like I could go into this for about 10 minutes. I'll maybe, I'll keep it short. Keep it short. Um, <clears throat> client being a bit of a pain in the ass, it was almost like a hand where we were on the flop and there was flush and straight draws for the opponent. And I thought about it as, what would I do? I would be basi- I would be betting quite high so that they had to pay for the draw. So for them to like see a card, they would want it as cheaply as possible. And at this point in the hand, I'm way ahead, but there's a chance that they might go ahead. Mm-hmm. I want to be betting quite high so that they have to pay to see if they get there. Right. And that was a situation where I thought about it like a poker hand and I actually took action in the real world. So as you charged the client more. <laughs> so you asked for more money up front. So, <laughs> so, it so wasn't, when it comes, the quote comes well, in. It's not, yeah, obviously it's not as simple as that. But right. in, in terms of the approach that I took, it was that. Right. Um, and I've... I've because I didn't want to talk about it for 10, 15 minutes, I've massively simplified it because it wasn't that yeah. simple. But that was that was basically how it looked. Well, yeah. what it did, what it gives you the, um, the <clears throat> skill of being able to negotiate in different ways. Yeah, yeah. have have um, trying to expect moves in a way because mm-hmm. you played poker for so long. Yeah, yeah. And and you made money off of, poc- of poker. So mm-hmm. like after you made your seventy grand, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's dollars, only dollars, so sadly. Yeah, or something like that, yeah. What did you do? Well, the pound was much better then, so is it? <laughs> so it's not even that. <laughs> uh, um, did you invest what did that I do into in the cappuccino ads? Or? No, that that kind of, a lot of that money was actually funding me through uni. So like okay. having a really nice lifestyle and obviously buying all the coffees I wanted and everything throughout uni. Yeah. I was buying 
There was a while where I was drinking about eight coffees a day, which is wow. really bad. That is a lot. And they're all yeah. from coffee shops. So wow. just that alone, that's £24 a day in coffee. So you kind of see where the money goes. Do you know what my budget was at uni? <coughs> what? what, during the day was £1.50. Oh, man. <coughs> God, that would have, that would have, yeah, been bad times. Bad times. Yeah. yeah. I empathize quite a bit. I mean, there, there is obviously... I mean, you, uh, yeah. you know, you, uh, you were <coughs> smart. Like, if I... I'm trying to phrase this in my head. Yeah. Trying to. All right, so I think what the problem for me is, right, mm-hmm. for going into therapy mode, mm. which people are very familiar listening to this podcast, you know, I was close-minded in a way that I couldn't really see where the real value lied. Mm. Because when you grow up in a certain way, right, <coughs> having a car, it means a lot more than having a good job sometimes. Mm. You know, mm. having a good pair of mm. designer glasses, mm. having a good pair of designing trousers, and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. So you get sucked into that kind of a mentality where you, you're basically on the wheel just so that you can afford this stuff. Mm. And that's what is keeping a lot of people back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you're not allowing yourself to make mistakes and to do yeah. new things, right? Well, yeah, I was in a privileged position where I was able to make mistakes. That right. That is a huge element of that. If If, if all went wrong... I had something to fall back on, so it was totally fine. Yeah. Um, well, so like just to be in that, and then yeah. coming here, that's when I had to put myself you mm-hmm. know, into a different gear, and I had to start over again. And it's like, okay, now I need to find a job. How do I get a bank account? You know, mm-hmm. it's just all mm-hmm. that broke the wheel in mm-hmm. a way that I started. Why over did you again. choose Edinburgh? I chose Edinburgh because I was a PA at the time, and I was working for free for this woman that kicked my ass into shape. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you're going to Edinburgh because I need to do some business with Edinburgh National Festival. I need you to go there, talk to some people, and then help me find a flat. So I came here. I was sleeping in somebody's box room. <laughs> and then I quit my job because mm. I had enough. I didn't really like it. It was mm-hmm. great. It, got, it put me in places, man, that I never had a chance mm-hmm. otherwise. So mm-hmm. I met people that were like in their key, key places. Like I met, I met the director of one of the most luxurious hotels in mm. Italy, a chain. Mm-hmm. And the guy just sat me down. I was like, you got it <coughs> wrong, man. Mm. So I have, I've I met all these figures in the industry, of, of industries I never ha- wouldn't have access to. Mm-hmm. I had to lie a lot because, <laughs> you know, I was always like some count uh, nephew or I was like, you know, I was somebody's, somebody's whatever. Mm. And that allowed me to put myself in positions where I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to. Okay. So I worked with this person as a PA mm. and she just passed me for whatever <coughs> was convenient for the occasion. Mm. And that opened my eyes a little bit. But when she sent me here, I was like, okay, now I've, I've learned all this. My previous life don't matter anymore. Mm. Or matters marginally. I need to make something of myself. Mm. And that's when I started off. So for me, I always, I always think this. At 24, I was 18. Mm. I started over again. Mm. So like right now I'm 36. I am mm. no, I'm 26 because mm. I have lost 24 years of my life <laughs> because I did never did what I really wanted to do because mm. I just slot into this life mm. that was set up for me. <laughs> but my horizons were not open enough. So I mm. couldn't see other ways to make money. Mm. You know, when you say I played poker, because in your mind, you must have been like, oh, I can make money off of this. Mm. And then I can find uni. Yeah. And then I can move on. Yeah. I didn't have that. For me, it was mm. like, I need to find a job. So I worked to Lidl, which mm. I hated. Mm. <coughs> well, I, I mean, I did it at the start because I enjoyed it. I didn't do it yeah. to make money. But then th- the, the flip side of that is by being, essentially having a boss, um, yeah. <coughs> it became a chore rather than something I did for enjoyment. Yeah, because you, so you, you could have found yourself. I, uh, the thing is, I could have, you know? but risk mitigation told me not to because I was in mode where... I didn't want to take that risk. The added, you know, stress and stuff just wouldn't have been enjoyable for me. 
I was in a position where if I lost all the money and the bankroll went to zero, it would mm-hmm. get filled back up. And if it's your own money, you can't it's do a that. Different game. So different stakes. It it so technically it shouldn't change how you play mm-hmm. because you should always play optimally all the time anyway. Yeah. But it totally does. When it's when it's your own money, mm-hmm. you occasionally will find yourself being more safe and taking yeah. more safe lines that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And the whole idea of having a backer and having someone else's money is that the money doesn't matter. It's all yeah. about playing optimally. But it became a chore, like it absolutely did, because the things that I was told to play were the essentially the longer things with the lowest variance because you've got more chance for your opponents to make mistakes, essentially. Whereas the more fun things are the faster high variance things, which are just super turbos, like hyper turbos, where you're just going all in every four hands. That's yeah. fun, but it doesn't make you money. So it's the flip side of doing something for enjoyment doesn't always like make you the money, especially with poker. Um, it is the, the slow, boring, monotonous things that make you the money. And it's the, the fast, high variant stuff that's enjoyable, but you don't really get to play when you've got a backer. So. That's so funny. Mm. So it's, it's playing into <coughs> human mistakes. So it's playing into yeah. the long game. Mm-hmm. So the long game is more likely for somebody to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's very smart. Mm-hmm. But the, the lower the variance, like the slower a tournament is, the lower the variance is, and the more mm-hmm. of a, a guarantee in inverted commas you kind of have on your return back. Yeah. Um, if you were to play a thousand of these super slow tournaments yeah. and you know you're buying for those thousand tur- they might have been twenty thousand dollars you might expect to get back between you know it could be like 18 to 24 right that's like a an almost like 90 percent confidence level of what you're going to get a return on those tournaments but if they're hyper turbos with a lot of variance instead of being 18 to 24 is your range suddenly it's five to 50 and that might be a lot more fun, and it is a lot more fun, but there's a lot less security in that. So as a backer, he wants that range to be as small as possible, and he wants the kind of returns to be slow and steady, essentially, because wow. he's got so many people to manage as well. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to keep track of everyone's crazy you know, up-and-down yeah. swings. He just wants to know that if he gives me $20,000, I'll turn that into 22000 and then that $2,000, we split that. And that that's that's how he wants to look at that. That volume, then he's mm. got forty. It's like having forty coffee corner shops. <clears throat> yeah, you yeah, know yeah. they're he's spreading make... his risk. Absolutely yeah. that. Yeah, he would never put all his money in one person. Not yeah. a chance. And that number was only growing when I stopped as well. So by all, but I don't know how many he's got now. Yeah. But if he told me he's got eighty, it wouldn't surprise me. So very smart. Like yeah. from a business perspective, yeah. Yeah. you got it. Mm. He's like, you want to play poker? Cool. Here's the money. But you, you play go. poker the way I tell exactly. you to play poker. Yeah. And all y- the way you tell you to play poker is is just looking at the stats, statistics. Yeah, yeah. Game it's a pure theory. number thing. Yeah. 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 Game yeah. theory, um, mm-hmm. data, just mm-hmm. an Excel sheet, really. Mm-hmm. Very smart. Mm. Yeah, got to yeah. give it to the guy. Yeah. Like, but then when you, you, you're his horse, yeah, yeah. then there's no fun for you. No, it wasn't enjoyable. I mean, it was fun at, the f- it was fun at first. And alongside having a backer mm-hmm. i actually had like a, a coach so essentially like a teacher so you actually uh, learned about yeah yeah and he poker. is he's incredible like he's he's absolutely still smashing it to this day um he plays the highest stakes on kind of the world game and he's getting paid by you know andreas to essentially teach us yeah to 
look at our results to go over certain hand histories. So often what we would do is we would send our teacher a hand history of a tournament that we played, and we would go through it hand by hand. So it was a coach? Yeah, yeah. And it, it was really good. Um, it's like a football coach. So you're looking at yeah. your games. You're looking at like actual details of what you did and yeah. how you could have optimized it. And it would be everything from, oh, you should have played that hand, or you shouldn't have played that hand, down yeah. to, okay, well, your bet sizing there was 2.3x. Yeah. It should have been 2.35x. So it's like tiny little details where the optimal line would have got you slightly more or slightly less. And when you're playing such a big like volume of tournaments, mm -hmm. if you made that change every 50 hands um, and it's you know 0.05%, yeah. over a 1,000 tournaments, that really adds up to quite a big difference. Yeah. So it was optimizing over the tiniest of margins because when you put in volume, that tiny margin actually means quite a big difference. Welcome so. to marketing. <laughs> there you go. That was marketing 101. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing how if you had continued, mm. right, let's say you liked it, mm -hmm. you could have sharpened your skills to a point where you yeah. could have done what you did. So uh, you would have said, okay. Yeah, yeah. And some of, my, some of my good friends at the time, so uh, like Mac, Mac Silver is a great example who is one of the most intelligent, down-to-earth, grounded, you know, with wife and yeah. kids person that I've ever kind of met, really. He is incredibly successful. Incredibly successful. And we were kind of around the same point at that point. But he dedicated his whole kind of, essentially, life outside of wife and kid yeah. to that. Wow. Whereas... I want to do other things. So he sure. had to give up like video games, for example. He mm. doesn't play video games because he plays poker instead. And he studies. And <clears throat> it, it's only now he's come out with an app and everything where he's mm. kind of doing, exploring the business side. Right. But now I'm six years ahead of him in business. So, right. But he's, he's wealthier he's, in a way. He's wealthier. He's, got oh, more he's money. far, far wealthier. But Absolutely. But that's the difference between great <clears throat> and mastery though. Isn't it? Yeah. He's yeah, investing yeah. your life. I actually don't think I could have done what Max did. Right. I, I didn't have enough passion just for poker to do that. He dedicated way more than I could have. Yeah. 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 I think some people are just not built for it. No. Like some people are built for learning mm. something mm -hmm. really, really well. Yeah. Like maybe Well, if you look at if you look at simple kind of thing of the rankings, right? Mm -hmm. So at my peak, I don't know exactly where I was, but I was maybe just just getting into maybe like the top 50 players in the UK, mm -hmm. probably like probably the top 100, maybe the top 50. Yeah. I don't think I had in me to go a huge jump more than that yeah. because it would have taken so much dedication to just spending all day, every day, just learning and learning and learning. And that's what the guys at the top have, the maxes of the world. Yeah. They, they really see that 1% difference every day that I people like me kind of in the top 100 just don't have to yeah. go up. But that... The flip side of that is I was top 100 there, yeah. but I was also top 100 on a certain video game and top 100 on something else. Yeah, but like you spread are that out. good at that. Like, that's yeah. the other thing. Like, you are such, a, again, competitive guy, right? Mm -hmm. but you were ranking in Hearthstone. Yeah. You were ranking with your poker stuff. Mm -hmm. You definitely have some kind of drive. Oh, yeah. I, w I mean, with Hearthstone, it, there's, I mean, 70 million active players, and they release a leaderboard every month of the top 200 players. And the satisfaction of having your name in that top 200, it, that that really appeals to I, that yeah. That's such a nice feeling to me. So you're because saying that will always that be there. Professionally, how do you make money off of Hearthstone? So there's tournaments that they have. So right. um, it's a very kind of simple structure. When you rank high, you get points, you get leaderboard points and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they invite you to play in tournaments. And those tournaments all have a prize pool. 
Right. So the Classic, top tournaments, yeah. the top tournaments are you know millions of dollars, mm-hmm. but I'm not at that level because yeah. I'm you know I have a full time job. Um, yeah. But below that, you've got tournaments that I'm entering where yeah. the winner gets like a thousand dollars, and I do I do a bunch of those, and mm-hmm. that's kind of at the the level where it's still really fun. Yeah. But I'm also not physically having to travel. So yeah. I've only traveled to one physical Hearthstone tournament, and that was in London. Yeah. So it wasn't even out with, you know, the UK. So um, really cool experience, though, going to that and having casters. And it was actually in, like, a theater, like a almost like a big cinema room. Right. And they had booths, like glass booths at the front, and they had all the casters, like, talking about what you're doing and stuff. We came a long way with esports. Oh, it? yeah. Amazing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And that's kind of, I guess, on the smaller scale mm-hmm. because... If you look at the world championships and stuff, wow. Like, they put yeah. in so much effort to make that look the part. Yeah. So what I want to know now, right? Mm-hmm. How do you go from cappuccino ads, mm-hmm. right, to then working in software for the construction industry? <laughs> Say, what happened there? Um, so I found, an op- well, there was an opportunity. I was sitting on the board of Adopt an Intern first. And I noticed that they had a big gap, basically, uh, in terms of their marketing skills. So I kind of spoke to Joy over a cocktail one night. We're out for drinks for her birthday, and I kind of proposed to her, maybe I just come in full-time, well, not full-time, but come in and spend a lot of my time doing mm-hmm. kind of marketing and stuff for them. Cap, cap ad's still kind of running on the side. Um, and it kind of made sense. Like it, it felt like it was an opportunity for me to use my skills in in a sector that, to be honest, I didn't really know much about. And I find that really fascinating and and it was awesome. So I went in for a year and kind of just did that. And then Mm -hmm. once the kind of strategy and everything was up and running and in place, um, I joined the board of a company called Builderstorm who are down in London. They they have a kind of a platform for the construction industry, like you said. And they said, why don't you come and just do the same thing that you just did for Adopt an Intern? Come in and slightly different because that was more around tendering for work kind of overseas so there Mm -hmm. was a bit of using uh kind of digital ads and stuff Mm -hmm. abroad which was kind of cool experience um so i just did that for a year as well i kind of said okay cool let's let's kind of put that year in the calendar and we'll do something similar um and it was really good yeah it was it was a really good experience to kind of put skills into practice in a sector that i didn't know anything about Mm. um and learned a lot in the process. So for personal development reasons, like if I'm being purely selfish, it was the best thing I could have done because I learned so much. But in terms of um, pushing my career forward in that yeah. sense, it's kind of put me to where I am now, where right. it's pretty much what we're doing day to day for companies. So company Ignite Your Brand, it's been going uh, 20, 21 years now. Mm-hmm. I came in last year as marketing director and I'm now right. managing director. And it's essentially a marketing and branding company, um, yeah. predominantly working in the UK, but we have clients dotted around. Right. Um, so we've, we, do, we do branding for new companies. We do rebranding for existing companies. Right. So companies like the Wood Group, when they needed to rebrand, they came yeah. to us. And if anyone kind of lives in Scotland, they will have seen a whole bunch of our work. So... Mm-hmm. Walking around Edinburgh, you see Grant property signs everywhere. Or walking through a supermarket, you know, you see things like Simon Howie food. So we did the packaging for that. Right. So you kind of can't really fail to see our work as you go around the city, right. which is awesome. Um, and that's that's essentially what we do. So right. we solve problems for our clients and we get them, usually we get them more and or better customers. Right. 
and that's the focus. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is how you move from marketing manager to mm. managing director mm. so quickly. Mm. And also, it's like, what about that stint with Casta Space? Casta, Casta Space, Space Technologies, yeah. yeah. So that's a Because that project. thing looks mad. Yeah, that's, it's a really cool project to be part of. So I use drones a lot. I, mm. I love drones. I love yeah. drone technology. I love what they allow us to do. And a couple of friends, Selby and Michael, were already working on a project. I mm. can't, so I can't really go into too much details of what the device actually does because most of it isn't public yet. Um, but it's a really cool device that they had the idea for. Mm-hmm. And I kind of came in and gave them some added thoughts to it. Um, yeah. So the device from what's publicly available, mm-hmm. publicly available. Yeah. See, I'm so biased in terms yeah. of what I know that no, I you're know probably going to have to tell me what's public because I don't even exactly. really fully know. It's, it's practically looks mm-hmm. like a wheel mm-hmm. that has balanced mm-hmm. and it can travel on any three. Cool. And it could has a camera so it can mm-hmm. record things mm-hmm. and that's what it is so far. Yeah. Yeah, that's what publicly available. I've seen cool. a video. It looks a wee bit wobbly. Probably that's an old yeah, yeah. video. I'm sure that there's been. Yeah, it's pretty scenes. stable now. Um, yeah. So it's got fans that kind of keep it upright. Yeah. The tricky bit is obviously if you're turning, uh, and and a variety of surfaces are going to impact that quite a bit yeah. as well. But I wouldn't um, say anything else because there's not much more on the website. Cool. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's a few technical challenges to it, which has been fascinating to watch so, but you um, in an investor or you're part of the company so i'm part of it in terms of i was a director um, mm-hmm. i'm now just a non-exec and right. I, I kind of signed off my voting rights to selby because we kind of thought the same anyway so it just right. makes life easier uh, and i still <clears throat> i still own a bit of the company now right so, okay yeah <clears throat> so we went into seed house and we did the whole seed house uh, kind of thing which was was guys like Chris Vanderkyle and Paddy Burns and stuff, seed and they put some money. Explain what Seed House is. Seed House, it's a house where they give you seed money. <laughs> it's um, the house of it's, money. It's a really cool place. It's got businesses in there like Amicus and Kandaba, mm-hmm. um, some of the kind of like Edinburgh entrepreneurs essentially, yeah. and they give you some money and they give you a place to kind of call home for a while. Right. So you can, whenever you've got a problem or a challenge, there's people in there that will have faced the same problems and challenges. Right. So it's essentially a place where you will progress your business faster mm-hmm. and you won't make mistakes that you probably would have otherwise. So it's a combinator. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Right. Um, and they give you they give you a bit of money as well, which obviously helps. Yeah. Helps with the process. How much so, of the companies do they get to do that? So it varies from company right. to company. Um, and I actually don't know how much of, you know, the other companies in there, like Amicus. Right. I don't know what the, the, their deal is, to be right. honest. Yeah, no, oh yeah but um, they've got deals for different deals for different companies. Yeah, obviously, if a company, it's very different. If a company's valued at half a million or if a company's valued at two million, yeah, then yeah. it's a very different kind of beast in terms of how much equity and stuff is it. But I think the, their very typical starting point mm-hmm. is that they give you £30,000 and a whole bunch of their time for about, for about 7%. Right. But then... You're not really going in for that therapy. You're going in for the experience and You're stuff. You're going in for the, the community as well. And then when well, you right? get to the next, mm. when you get to that next level, that's where it's an open-ended scale. So right. if you need 250k to get you to the next level, that's where they can talk and say, well, okay, if the vi- if the business is valued at yeah. two million, then give away 12.5 percent for that quarter of a minute. So it's that kind of it's thing. very yeah. relative because yeah. 30k for seven percent is <clears throat> it's a lot of your oh equity. yeah and the, I mean it's a lot of money at the beginning but yeah. it's a lot of your equity it works but it works out that it's about half a million valuation that's where they kind of start yeah so 
the percentage is it's not exactly seven and it's not it doesn't necessarily need to be exactly 30k but yeah. it works out so that if you work that backwards it comes to about 500k as yeah. a valuation so by default yeah. to say okay you'll be yeah. worth half a million yeah to simplify yeah and we'll give and you if, and if the business happens to be worth a million and there's proof of that then obviously either the equity could go in half or the money mm. could be doubled or, or however much, yeah. That's very but interesting. It's, it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool place. So but it, Do they have a place as well then? Yeah, so they're just on uh, Maritime Lane down at the shore, so literally around the corner. Oh, um, right. So yeah, yeah, not far away at all. Um, it's, it's pretty much on the back of Ignite. So Ignite have got a couple of buildings on Constitution Street mm-hmm. and from the, the back room in our building, you can actually see into... The lobby area of their building. Oh, wow. So okay. if they're in there and I'm in there, we can have it. We've actually have waved. Wave, yeah, Selby yeah. and I've waved to each other through the <laughs> windows. So it's pretty cool that we can kind of like see each other from the bit. Okay. Um, well, that's very so yeah, interesting. It's cool. And I've popped. You know, I've obviously I popped around occasionally and stuff as well, and kind of seen how everyone's getting on and stuff. So it's, it's a cool space. I like it yeah. a lot. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. And like, so how did you go from <clears throat> marketing manager to managing director so quickly? Um, that was more just, it felt right, to be honest. So George, who is chairman, he was essentially the managing director. He, um, he's been kind of taking his foot off the accelerator for a while. Mm -hmm. And I came in and put my foot on the accelerator and it just felt like a natural fit. Um, and that was kind of always the plan coming into the company. So it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was always planned. I wasn't expecting it to happen this soon. Yeah. So I thought it would maybe be about like now. Uh, that it would happen, but it happened back in December. So, so does that shift to what you're actually doing in the companies <coughs> instead of just focusing on numbers and clients, you know? Yeah. I mean, analytics it, yeah, and stuff, and the, you're more focused on... In terms of what I actually do day-to-day, mm-hmm. there's not a huge amount different. Right. Um, occasionally, there's more responsibilities in, in the bigger picture, so right. having to chat to, you know, the accountants and things a bit more. Yeah. But other than that, the actual day-to-day is very similar, Yeah. I really like, so you probably got this, I like people and I like actually being with clients. Yeah, That's what I enjoy. So I maybe shouldn't be doing it as much as I actually am to some extent. And maybe this is a weakness of mine because I see something shiny and I want to go and do it. I want to do this. <clears throat> yeah. So that, that maybe is a slight weakness of me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I do see it weirdly as a strength. Yeah. It shows my passion and... Yeah. When we've got clients in and we're doing a brand workshop, hell yeah, I want to be there. Like, I want to actually hear their problems firsthand and I want to contribute to trying to find a solution to them. So I have to make sure that I don't end up spending all my time with clients and not actually focused on my own business. Right. That's the flip side. And that's where um, I sometimes will need either a mentor because I've got a really good set of mentors or I'll have... A set of mentors. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I like having a mentor who knows me really well but Mm -hmm. doesn't know the business. And then on the other side, someone who knows the business really well, but doesn't really know much about me. Mm-hmm. And then someone in the middle who kind of has the best of both worlds. Right, so that makes sense. It, there's people kind of on either side who don't have a bias towards one thing. And, and that's really important to have. Really different opinions because <coughs> then yeah. one person know you directly, so they know what you like and yeah. don't like. One yeah. person doesn't. So they mm-hmm. know what you like as a businessman. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting yeah. approach. And then obviously... At home, I've also got Cheryl. So, if <laughs> Which I have, is the biggest mentors of it all. She is. I, she's absolutely the one who will keep right. me grounded. And yeah. if I'm doing something I shouldn't, then she's just going to say, what the hell are you doing? Stop it. So, so she, does she, she, she keeps you ground, grounded then? Oh, yeah. yeah. What does she do? She works at Edinburgh Uni. So very oh, right, different kind of life. Yes, yeah. she's, she's got a much more kind of, she's not, she's not nine to five, but she's got that much more kind of like structured yeah. work life. Um, Would you ever work together? 
Uh, well, I mean, we're doing property together, so like, yeah. We're, tell we're, me more about that. So, I mean, there, there's not there's not a huge amount to tell. We've we've just got the first one, but we are planning on obviously getting more over time. Because um, like you know, buy the let is fantastic in mm -hmm. a way, especially in Edinburgh. I mean, Edinburgh is a touristic city. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. That's where the money is. But also, kind of hate you guys because you make <laughs> first time buyers' life miserable. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, I'm aware. So you're not that, um, you're not loved cast. No, I know, I know. Um, so Georgia Ignite, he's got five and five, it's yeah. really interesting to kind of hear the way he does it all and approaches it all. Right. So I've kind of taken a lot of that from him and yeah, basically just starting a similar journey to what he's done. So we are going to get eventually a portfolio, kind of a property. So did you start around. a company and then bought the... Yeah. So this one's purely just through ourselves, but... Not even a partnership. No, I'm, well, it's been bought 50-50 by us. So legally, legally there is, not yeah. Not really a partnership, um, maybe a little bit of a partnership. Yeah, so, I mean, legally it is, but we, we've kind of just approached this one as like, this is the first one, we're learning as we go. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually Josh Carson that's living in it. So Josh is living in it? Yeah. Of course, so we I, went to uni together. So I actually, well, I actually, Hello, we weren't at uni together, but we, we've obviously known each other for about six years. But it's, No, it Josh was, and I were at uni together. Oh, Josh and you were at yeah, uni together? Oh, like that's amazing. Cool. 11 years ago. He cool. was... So I've, I've bought it from him. <laughs> he's, he's one of the most spectacular guys. I've Amazing ever met. guy. He's really like, like him. He, he's a lovely dude. Mm, See what he's done. I really want to do some work with him as well. Like, geared so, up went mm, from like two guys. Mm. Oh, well, it was him. And, him and Lara. And Lara, yeah. And then Andre came in third, yeah. In uh, basically, we're using the mm. alumni facilities mm. at Napier. Mm. Shout yeah, out the bright, to Napier. Bright red triangle, yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah. with their alumni. Mm. They've got yeah. a lot of a lot of um, opportunities to build. Yeah, grow it, your business. it looks that way. So I went to Edinburgh Uni, right. but um, I've seen what Napier have done for some. You know, Josh, for yeah. example, and it does look incredible. Amazing. And I gave um, I gave a lecture actually, like a guest talk Did at you? Napier. Yeah, when so that was cool. That was in February this year. So oh, lovely. Earlier in the year. So the business school. Entrep yeah, entrepreneur yeah, entrepreneurship. So kind of talking a bit about the journey and everything and Aye. what goes in. So it's really good fun. Which I is the that. thing we usually yeah. talk on this podcast, that we are not touched, <laughs> yeah. if not just briefly. But, but that's an example of where they've, they've approached me and got me yeah. to come in, and Edinburgh Uni haven't done that. So Edinburgh Uni are a little bit behind the curve with that kind of Don't thing. Get They're not start, getting... Man. Yeah, so they, they are... Despite being the bigger organization, mm -hmm. the bigger institution, mm -hmm. and I'll you know I watch my words because Cheryl works for them, but yeah. I, I do feel in some ways they are a little bit behind the curve, and I think they should be doing a bit more of that because the amount of friends that I have got that have spoken at both Harriet Watt and Napier, yeah, and yet Edinburgh Uni doesn't really seem to be doing much of it. So there you do, go. Do you know that's marginally also uh, what is annoying me now <coughs> is because. I, I love Napier, man. Mm -hmm. I've done quite a few um, mm -hmm. lecture there just because I I it just I feel I want to give back as much mm -hmm. as I can because they're mm -hmm. lovely lovely people there. Mm -hmm. But uh, what annoys me is that now they only hire you if you have a PhD. Mm. So I'm like, but if you have a practical school like business school or mm. what we do mm -hmm. like marketing mm -hmm. animation, for instance, I want to mm -hmm. talk purely about animation. Mm. Like you need people that work in the industry. Mm. You need people that at least have made one invoice, mm. you know, that mm. made one project for a client. You mm. can't just have teacher teaching. Yeah. It's not how it works for professional mm. um, positions. Mm -hmm. That annoys me a little bit because they changed it only recently. They changed mm. this rule because I wanted to get involved. I was like, you know what? If I can come in a couple of days a week, get paid and, and do a module, whatever, I will do it. Mm. I will kick this kid's ass <laughs> into shape. <laughs> And I couldn't do it. It's like, you need, you need to be applying for a PhD. I'm, like, mm. I'm not going to do a PhD. Man. No, it's annoying. Mm. It was annoying because I really wanted to do it. I really mm. felt like maybe it was the right time having a kid, having like mm. some kind of like, like a part-time. How's part that time. been? 
I'm just having I, a I don't kid. know if you've spoken about this do you, much. Are before, you, do you want to have a baby? Yeah, yeah. We're 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 not quite there yet, but we are getting. Right. You know, we're at some point. We what will. do you want to know? I mean, how much does it impact your life? Completely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Like all good or all. Um, what What's the biggest thing you've learned? The biggest thing I've learned is. This is a hard question, mm-hmm. my friend. I think the biggest thing about this is you have no idea how much love and happiness mm-hmm. it can bring you. Mm. And you have no idea mm. how much misery will bring you to. <laughs> I think when people tell you about the haps and downs, you don't understand it until you're in it. Okay. But the your what it does it just it your priority changes completely your priority mm. they're gone out of the window mm-hmm. money is your priority mm. not anymore <laughs> or it will be in a different way yeah. you'll be a lot smarter you'll mm. value your time a lot more mm. like i am uh, because i started again like 10 years ago i'm on like i've been on sixth gear since because i went from like cleaning toilets to where i am now mm. and i never stopped and I still can't stop now, so I have my ambitions are huge. Mm-hmm. But what changed is the way I use my time. I want to spend time with my daughter. I mm-hmm. want to spend time with my wife. I mm-hmm. want to spend time with my wife and daughter together. Mm-hmm. For me, nine to five mm-hmm. is 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 it hasn't been an option for years now, mm-hmm. but even less so. Mm-hmm. That's why you, you remember we were talking over text. Yeah, and you yeah, were saying, yeah. "Oh, we don't work in an office." Yeah, that's the only type of job I would even remotely consider because mm-hmm. I just can't my time is so valuable mm. right now because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that little thing is going to grow so fast. Yeah. And I want to experience these ups and downs mm-hmm. because I embrace those ups and downs mm. and I love them because mm. that's life, man. Mm. You want to feel something. <coughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Video games are lovely and mm. I still play and the Switch is perfect because mm. you just pick it up and play mm. 10 minutes, you know? Mm. That's why I can't play, like I'm playing short source burst <coughs> games I can play on mm. and off. But the way it changes it, it changes you in ways that I don't, it's hard to describe because everybody's different, but for me it's been just the amount of love, man. Mm. I've been wanting a family since though. Mm. So it didn't really, like, you know, we planned this and <coughs> we wanted Get the Cavapoo as well. That'll only add to Dude, that. we were going to get the Cavapoo two mm. weeks before labor, but um, we didn't because everybody said not to. <laughs> and because you have a Cavapoo now, mm. you know exactly what, you, what I'm mm. talking about. They're like demanding Oh yeah, yeah. So we've we've got a cockapoo, but same, it's a cockapoo, same thing, yeah. Yeah, it's, but, it's, yeah Milu yeah. is um, which is a lovely um, name, incredible. Oh, thanks very much. She's she's incredible, and I can see already just from a puppy how much my priorities have yeah. changed. So, and that's I can only imagine what it's going to be like with a kid. It'll so, change your priorities. You, yeah, you, yeah. I, I I think you will make in terms <clears throat> of making money, you'll mm. be more effective, and you probably make more money mm. when you have a baby <laughs> because it will kick your ass into mm. gear, and it's mm. that the fluff that now you think yeah, is yeah. important. Yeah you realize it's amazing. Mm. It's like Clyde is like, boom. Yeah. And he's like, okay, so that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Mm. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Yeah. And it out. A lot more selective over what games I play probably. Yeah. You'll be very selective. Yeah. And also you'll be very selective with the people you spend time with. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Because you'll, you'll, it'll be either your daughter mm. or somebody else or your son mm. or somebody else's. Mm. And that, when you start doing that comparison, it's mm. like really tough. And mm. I don't know how, my, how are you on sleeping, but you're not going to sleep much. And, I hate not getting sleep. <laughs> man, you will be broken. I don't mm. know about your wife's or mm. your partner's. Yeah. Because she ain't going to sleep for sure a lot. Mm. You're sure going to sleep. It's like a torture device. Mm. Imagine you go to bed, right? Not all babies mm-hmm. are the same, but mm-hmm. the, this is kind of a blueprint. You go to bed and an hour later, eh, right? Settle her, uh, feed her, put her to bed, and an hour later, up again. 
So I'm it's not a torture device. Forward to that. Yeah, we, that's we had hard. it. So with the first five nights of having Milu, yeah, she was horrendous. Like she mm-hmm. was just up the whole night, yelled, you like, wanting us. Yeah, were you doing the crate? Yeah, training? we did the crate training, yeah. and then one night it was like day six. She broke out of the crate, <laughs> and she was incredible. She made no noise. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it's because she was out the crate and for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, five minutes of like, you know, whining a little bit when we leave her at night and then she's completely fine. Now she's perfect. But for that first week, I mean, that was, that was horrendous. Right. Well, we are, we I are can't imagine five that. months into that. Oh my God. It's nonstop, oh. man. I mean, like we do it in a way we, we, we structure is <clears throat> I stay up until like two, two thirty to feed her. So like she'll wake up, I'll go after mm-hmm. so that Chloe can get some sleep. And then Chloe would take over and I'll go to bed, wake up at like half nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I've got le- at least seven hours sleep. Because otherwise I can't do work, man. I'm dead, mm-hmm. dead, flat out. So I need to sleep for seven hours at least. And then it's work day. But because I'm at home, you know, I get mm-hmm. the occasional cuddle and mm-hmm. kiss and smile. Well, mm-hmm. those smiles, man. Mm-hmm. When she looks at you <laughs> and smiles, it's the world. Just everything else doesn't matter. It's amazing. Mm. It really, it's really hard to to convey what what the, what it really is. Uh, but like you know, you should enjoy your life for what it is now. Mm-hmm. Don't have, don't rush into mm, it. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy yeah. what you have because yeah. the moment that that happens, mm. your old life it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like the stuff I used to do before, it's not mm. worth it. You mm-hmm. know, it's great, fine. Mm. And now I made a conscious effort because last year I had a great year, um, work wise. You know, mm-hmm. as a freelancer. You only make as much as you work, right? Mm-hmm. You're selling your time for money. Mm-hmm. So I had a great year. And this year has been a bit slower by default, by design, because I'm trying to build a new business, trying to be something new. Mm-hmm. And also, I just don't want to work every day of yeah. the week. Well, I'm, I'm looking at make, maybe moving to a four-day work week, actually. So just seeing how that, that works. Because this is something we've, we spoke about work-life balance yeah. kind of before, or work-life flow, as I describe it. Mm-hmm. Because I like going between, like, if you look at my day yesterday, yeah, it's probably how mo- it's probably how a lot of people want, wish their life was. Mm-hmm. I'm just living it. So yeah. I went to yoga at lunchtime. I had a massage in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> just whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of, it's one of those days. Make time, but make I make time for it, and then yeah. I work hard in the gaps in the middle. Like, um, and I actually find that by doing those things, I work harder in the gaps than mm-hmm. if I was just sitting in an office all day. So. Oh. Um, that lunchtime yoga, man, like it was just perfect. The lunchtime yeah. yoga. Yeah, lunchtime yoga. It's perfect. Do you know, I am with you because I think <coughs> you cannot be productive for eight hours in a row. Forget no. about it. Because no. you're going to end up procrastinating. No. There's nowhere Yeah, around. exactly. Your yeah. brain is not melting. And if you're procrastinating, why not actually just go, I'm going to play Hearthstone for half an hour. Exactly. Like, and actually go and do it and just don't feel guilty about no. it and fully commit to Which it. Which is what I struggle with. Yeah. Said. And then going back to work and you're fine again. But... If you're kind of like dilly dallying and half playing it and trying to work, no, no, you got it. You got to just time commit it in. and just yeah. be like, I'm all right with this half an hour going to play a game. You know? Yeah. Um, I think th- when I for me it's harder when I when I have a project right for mm-hmm. now. Round for instance, I'm doing an, I'm I'm working with a c- uh, client. We're doing animation stuff, mm-hmm. which is bread and butter for mm-hmm. me. Right? I am very productive. I know what I need to do. I wake up in the morning. I know I need to I need to finish the storyboard or I need to help with a script. Mm-hmm. Or I need to do this. Or I need to do that. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. It's easy. But when I'm doing my own business stuff mm-hmm. it's different mm-hmm. because it's harder for me to plan my day because mm-hmm. it's easier to dilly dally when mm-hmm. nobody is kicking your ass to get stuff mm-hmm. done by yourself mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i am quite self-motivated but compared to other people i struggle mm-hmm. compared to others i'm doing great mm-hmm. but 
that's what I'm working on now. It's mm-hmm. finding that balance mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I want to, I want to, so now I'm, I'm, as I was saying, I, I've been learning SEO for, for month, month mm-hmm. and a half now. Mm-hmm. I, and I, when I'm learning mode, I am learning motherfucker. I'm going to read everything I can find on the topic. That is One not, of the things that I would say with SEO, um, I probably learned more by doing than I did by reading. 100%. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I'm building this thing with my, yeah, yeah. With my father-in-law. He's, yeah. uh, he's an acupuncturist, Chinese medicine expert for 40 years. Mm-hmm. He's got his own blog and sells books. Mm-hmm. But what I thought is that like, you are an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, let's transform this from a blog mm-hmm. into a business. That mm-hmm. makes sense. And that's mm-hmm. what we're doing. So cool. I'm, I'm building the site myself. Can you read any tips or anything? Just get in touch. I'll, I yeah, will yeah. do, my friend. Yeah, you know, you've got my number, so just give me a buzz. Uh, yeah, you are mine now. <laughs> 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 no, but I'm, so I'm learning now. I'm learning how to build a site because mm-hmm. I, 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 I've never been good with building sites. Well, I'm, this, I'm decent. I'm good at designing it, but mm-hmm. never really built it. Mm-hmm. But now it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Like Elementor Pro is oh God, amazing. Yeah, there's so many tools out there now that's made life yeah yeah and not just that yeah, like yeah. W- once upon a time last time i checked this like two three years ago it was still timing like you know if you built with a website builder it was so slow like if mm. you use elementor or dv or whatever mm-hmm. team builder mm-hmm. now they're actually a little bit faster they're actually mm-hmm. usable sites yeah, yeah, yeah so i was like you know you, you don't need to have much back-end knowledge mm-hmm. you can just sort of mm-hmm. hack it together you yeah, can do yeah. it Mm. So that's what I'm doing. I'm mm. doing that. And but what I, what I want to do, rebuilding his sites from scratch, I want to ensure the SEO is tip top because I know how important it is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's like the key element that's working for his website. His website's shit, but his SEO is <laughs> so good. When you say the website shit, why is it shit? Why is it shit? Mm. Oh, you just told me in a can of war, my <laughs> friend. What happened is he used a, a, a system called SBI. Mm. Do you know what SBI nope, is? No, I don't. It's the most scammy. Uh, website builder out there. Right. Okay. The guy had to rename it because of the bad reviews. They're right, so okay. bad. Right. It's a terrible site builder, and it's improved over the years, but it's terrible. But what it does is like it's all concentrated around SEO, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And it, what it does, the resources he uses, because so, like you can you can sign up to the forum, and then there's like a help page, which is all the resources you need to build your site, your mm-hmm. business with it. Mm-hmm. It's so revolving around SEO, which means even if your website looks crap. Mm-hmm. If you wrote an article that's a good article, you know, people's gonna gonna show up mm-hmm. and that's what happens. So a lot of websites okay. are very successful using this website builder, more so than like Squarespace and Weeks mm-hmm. and all the rest. Mm-hmm. Because those builders that all focus on looks, while the one he used, SBI, all focuses on SEO. Okay. On a purely basic level, I yeah. think um if you use WordPress or something, like mm-hmm. there's so many good plugins, like yeah. Yoast, for example. Yoast. Um that has made it so easy now exactly and it's that's still that's not going to get you to the pinnacle of where anything needs to be mm-hmm. but in terms of like a solid you know a solid solution that's yeah. the lego that's the one that everyone will understand and everyone will be able to put together yeah you don't want to go into like the nux js with you know all these kind of like crazy things in the back end but yeah wordpress has it's kind of revolutionized the way that we, we do stuff. And to be honest, it's put a lot of people out of work because oh, yeah. of how good some of these tools are at the moment. Oh, um, yeah. Wix has still got a lot to be desired, especially around SEO. They're only now just catching up with, with things. They um, introduced the commerce as well. They've only just ca- caught up, but they... No, no, sorry, are, no, that was we They're so far, they're so far behind uh, some of the other ones like Squarespace. But um, yeah, I mean, there's so many good tools out on the market. Um, it's easy yeah. now. Yeah, it's all you easy. need is the content. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like you know, once upon a time you need the back end, you need the money to make it flow. Now mm-hmm. you just need the content. You yeah, need the good content. But now the edge. So 
you know, people like myself and companies like mm-hmm. Ignite, the edge that we have is really knowing that the nuts and bolts of the yeah. inside of this machine. So we know the little t- like kind of tricks of the trade that other people aren't going to know about. And that's right. that's where we're now essentially adding our value. Mm-hmm. It, before, like 10 years ago, it was building the thing and having the technical knowledge to build the site. Yeah. But now it's optimizing that site and making sure that it runs as good as it can. Mm-hmm. Um, so things have completely changed in the, yeah. in terms of what's both required of a company like ourselves but also where are you know the advantages of using a company like us because we're not cheap and if you want uh mm-hmm. if you want to be using a service like us you have to be doing it for a reason and often that reason is to go from you know being third to first or second to first and yeah. kind of pushing you up that little bit extra and mm. It's, what are you talking yeah. about especially? Are you talking about branding, design, well, storytelling, or SEO? Because we've obviously got quite a, a wide spectrum of, of what we do mm. at Ignite. Um, there's some there's some amazing sites out there that we've built. So everything from the, the full design of the thing mm-hmm. um, to actually building it. But then it's the ongoing maintenance of right. the SEO and actually optimizing it for certain markets. But then the, the wait, thing wait, wait, that... Wait, define certain markets. Well, we, we do a whole persona element. So mm-hmm. we do a brand day, we get the client in, and it's everyone across the company. So it's not just the MD, but it's like their head of sales, their head of marketing, and all of the kind of components of the company so we can get an unbiased view. Are you talking everyone. about doing a design sprint sort of style? Well, it is. It is kind of a bit like that. And it's having everyone in the room at the same time for a day, which is massively valuable. And often that's the biggest cost to them, getting everyone in, because we did it with the Wood Group. And as you can imagine, the, the guys at the top of the Wood Group, it's not cheap to have them for a day. So um, it's a really good process to have. And then by going through the process of who are actually your customers mm-hmm. and breaking them down, so giving them a persona and actually saying, yeah, okay, yeah. this is Billy, he's 40, mm-hmm. and then going into massive amounts of detail about these are the holidays they go on. So we can really get into their mindset and get really get into their head of how they buy and why yeah. they buy. And then you, it comes down to that, that why of looking at the emotional side of that buying process yeah. and looking at all of the touch points that you have, kind of pushing them to the mm-hmm. next stage of the process, really streamlining that customer journey, giving them no reason to come out of the journey at all. That's, that's the advantage of a company like us because we're yeah. doing it from that initial strategy part down to the actual building and then the future kind of right do you know like yeah. personas i was lucky enough that when i was <coughs> at uni in napier like 11 years ago we were already doing personas mm. think about that for a moment mm-hmm. that, i thought like, at the time i didn't really understand how yeah, forward yeah, yeah. thinking they yep. were but they were so <coughs> the question i have that is very easy to get wrong though <laughs> you can fuck it up your personas oh you can yeah time, so i think how so what I'm doing now, right? Just mm-hmm. to make it practical for people listening. Mm-hmm. So this website is because I have s- years. He's been doing this for 10 years. So I have so much data on Google mm-hmm. Analytics. I can mm-hmm. go through and really read through who are his customers and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. Sadly, Amazon doesn't do the same. So he's, he, he's got big published on Amazon as well. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to get that data from Amazon. You know, they don't, they don't give it to you. Well, at least mm-hmm. I don't know where to find mm-hmm. it. And how with all of that, all we know is that f- women... Uh, between 35 and I think it was around 35, 60, that that mm-hmm. kind of like spectrum mm-hmm. are the ones that are more likely to read his blog mm-hmm. and to buy his books, mm-hmm. right? So now I need to sit down saying, and I want to build a persona. Mm-hmm. How do I know exactly? Well, the first thing you got to do is go and talk to them. So right, if you can it. physically get the information of the people that have actually bought yeah. the stuff, 
and you can get them ideally face to face, but I know that's not always possible, but getting them on the phone and asking them, you know, why specifically did you buy this? Why specifically did you not buy the other yeah. things on the market? So we need to get the stuff out now, yeah. the new products out, the new service. It's going to be more mm-hmm. about e-learning. So mm-hmm. it's going to be those courses out, maybe even giving away. Because what my plan was, you know, is to create maybe a Slack group or mm-hmm. something, a WhatsApp mm-hmm. group or a Facebook yeah. group, something yeah. these women can we can interact with yeah, yeah. and we can give away the courses the only we di- can hear. Well, okay, yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, I was going to say the only downside of having a group like that, if you were getting feedback, is that the person who says something first will often get that'll skew the results you're right so yeah, you, you want it to be yeah. like a one-on-one situation uh, yeah, I would, yeah i would i would get in touch yeah. uh, singularly with yeah, these, yeah, with these yeah. customers but that's what i was planning on doing yeah but so in terms of like yeah, in terms down. of creating a group i mean that demographic how many of them are going to be using slack is my first question no it's like it was just yeah no it would yeah, probably be facebook but, but if or, it's yeah. if it's a facebook group or a whatsapp group totally fine for the most part i would have yeah. imagined um really break them down so within that group i'm imagining that you've got even different kinds of people Mm -hmm. you've probably got the single maybe younger ones you've got the ones who are married but working full time and time poor and then probably the retired if you're looking at the 60 plus bit so i would even break them down Mm -hmm. but the other way that you can look at it and obviously i don't know enough information about the specific situation but you might want to break it down into the buying habits of them so sometimes if it's ones that are regular buyers and they buy loads of this kind of stuff they will have different purchasing kind of behaviors Mm. to someone who's just buying something as a one-off so to one of them it's a habit and it's a routine but to one of them they're having to really look and then choose between 20 options before they buy something yeah they will have a very different buying part so sometimes it makes sense to break them down like that Mm -hmm. um and that goes down into all kinds of demographics as well, you know, disposable income and how much time they have and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And Google give you already, because <coughs> yeah. in Google Analytics, you can go in and see what yeah. segments they are. Yeah. And it gives you well, a lot of yeah. information. So I don't I mean, know how much how trustworthy it is. Google so. Analytics is great for that, but it still is only giving you bans. And mm-hmm. it's still, there's still a lot of information that you're not quite getting from right. it. So yeah. you can, I don't know if you've got any experience with a Google dashboard, but you can create a dashboard that basically gives yeah. you all the information that you want. And some of the best things that you can put into that are, you know, like customer flow. So looking at w- what pages basically on the website they've looked at. I love um, that. Yeah. Because that tells you so much about yeah. a page. Because if yeah. you have a page and you see you've got lots of, um, you know, <coughs> links and, and yeah. see what, if the, the, the people are actually moving yeah. through the flow that you're mm-hmm. creating, mm-hmm. that means that the flow you create is good or not. Yeah. So I the, find that very useful. And a and good example in work and practice, we've got a company we work with who they had a huge, like a really high bounce rate on one mm. of the pages of their site. Mm. And it was purely because they didn't have an, like a normal flow from that page. Yeah. So you went on the page, it was the team page, you kind of had to read about the guys and then you didn't know what to do. There was yeah. nothing on the bottom that took you to the next thing in the journey. You basically, most no, people were on it, would press back. You have a, back, you have a high exit percentage. Yeah, so a bounce rate is people away. that goes away Although this was like looking at the team going like, okay, these are cool people and then just not knowing what to do. So yeah, they would either click back on the browser or they would click the home bit at the top of the page and they basically were either coming out of that customer journey or they were going backwards in the customer journey. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge place where people were just dropping out of that flow. So how did you solve that then? Oh yeah, easy button at the bottom of the page. So under the three people at the top, there was a button. Under the next three people, there was a button. And it would basically take you to what was most relevant for that thing. So under the top three, uh, I think it took you to the products page. Mm -hmm. 
uh, or the service page. And then yeah. under the next three, it was more around like an about us or our story kind of thing. Right. And that appealed to like people who just wanted to make sure the values of the company were kind of the same um, and aligned. Oh, yeah. So it, there was kind of like different breakpoints there in the customer journey, but it was all taking them to something else that they would want to know. Right. So if they wanted to know uh, kind of information A, they click this. If they want to know information B, they click this. And that and each is of those has their own funnel. Yeah. The personas comes into yeah, place. Exactly. That. That you know yeah. what type of information they're more exactly likely that. to get. Yeah. To yeah. want to. Yeah. So do you do marketing funnels too then? We do, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much we. So I've used click funnels and stuff in the past. I I wasn't a fan of what's using now. Uh, well, we don't use anything. We kind of just draw it's it. WordPress. Eh? Literally. Well, in terms of like actually the creation of a funnel, mm -hmm. we do it manually and we draw it because people understand it. So we get a whiteboard, yeah. we've got them physically in a room and we draw a funnel and we say point A, this point here, that's where people are dropping out. Mm -hmm. And we, we typically go from, uh, so we go from the top to the bottom, but we'll show them the process of the bottom to the top. Right. So we'll say for every one customer at the bottom here, it's taking you currently 2.6 people going to this page. And we'll give them the actual numbers so they understand, but then we can give them right. a more breakdown. So in that situation, we might say, well, you might need three. You so you're talking 10, about blah, blah. customers, clients, sorry, that yeah. don't know what funnels are. Exactly. Yeah. So we break it, it back to the fundamentals of you need 10,000 people to see your kind of your message on Google. For every 10,000 people that see it, 1,000 will click into the website, mm -hmm. 100 will click into your buy page, yeah. ten, 10 of them will actually buy the product. So like we go through a process and give them a very kind of yeah. easy way for them to understand it but for the people who care about the details we're actually going back and saying right your customer acquisition customer cost of acquisition is this because for every customer it takes you know 2.6 person yeah. people on this it takes eight people on this and you can't see what i'm doing with my hands but basically going up the funnel and there seeing is, all the different funnels. steps there's steps yeah. in the funnel there's levels in the funnel yeah. you go up and down and, and it's it's a kind of a it obviously it varies from company to company like we've got We've got uh, a recruitment company where their lifetime value of a customer is actually quite high because mm -hmm. a company will be typically doing a lot of recruitment through one service. Yeah. Whereas we've got products that we're selling on other customers where the lifetime value is they just buy one product and they probably never come back. So the the cost of customer acquisition will then vary depending on who they are. If if that global lifetime value is a lot higher, mm -hmm. you know, someone's coming back and using the service a hundred times, then you can obviously spend a lot more per click to get yeah, them in yeah, the first yeah. place so we we have to go through that and explain that for all kind of levels of understanding yeah i get okay yeah because yeah. we've got people who are at the top of the companies and they run these amazing companies that are yeah. turning over tens of millions but they don't understand any of that kind of like marketing process mm. they don't know what a cost per click is so we actually physically have to explain cost per click is the cost of when someone clicks this ad yeah. Like, you have to go to that level. And on that, we're going to have to get back. Yeah, this has been long. Man, <laughs> we haven't even touched on half of the stuff I've got on my pad. What, what are the things? Like, run through anything that we've not said, and let's see if there's anything that's amazing and I want to talk about. Um, no, because we're going home. So okay. We're going to have to do another one. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining mm. us. Thank you very much for listening. If you have made it to the end, which I highly doubt it, uh, you are a hero of this story. <laughs> well, speak to you guys in two to three weeks. Bye, guys.